Welcome to the live Saturday edition of Free Talk Live. The phones for you if you want to join the show are open. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and the captain here in the studio tonight. I'm sorry, did you say freezing talk live? No. Toasty warm. Here Below freezing talk studio. live? No, that was no, last it is, night. It is a little chilly out there in New Hampshire in the last couple of days, but it's only going to last a couple I just, of days. I just want to say that to all of the supposedly freedom-minded people yeah. who think that something like gathering everybody in you know, the state of New Hampshire, for example, free state project types, mm-hmm. that type of thing, uh, is a good idea, but don't want to participate because it's too cold. I'm glad you're not here. Because if yeah. you don't have the balls to be here when it's you know negative fifteen degrees out, uh, and you don't have the ingenuity to figure out how to deal with winter, uh, freedom is certainly not the first priority for you. No doubt about it. We don't need the sun sunshine patriots. Those people can go somewhere else and be ineffective. Uh, we're making a difference up here. That's not what I wanted to talk about, Captain. I know. I just wanted to uh, say, that. but it is important. We do love the uh, New Hampshire freedom migration. If you're not here yet, you ought to be planning to get here. Uh, because there's no better place to be if you love liberty. If you are a libertarian, if you're a voluntarist, if you're a liberty-loving anarchist, you got to be making a plan to move to New Hampshire. Otherwise, you're planning to fail. So, uh, big news. And coming up, by the way, speaking of New Hampshire, the Democratic National Committee has made their decision to kick New Hampshire down from its first-in-the-nation primary status. We'll talk about that and what it means, why it's important Okay. Uh, here, here in a little bit. This is Pretty big news from the the world of politics. But in the world of the court system, in the world of prohibitions, yeah. there has long been a prohibition against people who might want to have some drugs, in the case uh, specifically cannabis, yep. and also protect themselves and their family by, say, owning a gun. Right. And I know this was big in, in Washington state when... You know, it was legalized marijuana. That is right. That uh, if you were a medicinal patient, mm-hmm. that you were not able to own firearms legally. Something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, that's right. There's even uh, language like that on the medicinal paperwork here in New Hampshire as well. It's like, hey, you understand? You're basically giving up your right to own guns. Right. Okay, sign here. And you know, for people that have some sort of crazy uh, terminal illness. They're willing to do it because, well, you know, it's cannabis is the only way to take away the pain yeah. or whatever they're, you know, solve whatever the issue is. But as it turns out, a court in Oklahoma has made a pretty important ruling on this at the federal level. What happened? This was, uh, it's actually from Reuters or Reuters, if you want to mispronounce it. Mm. Uh, the headline reads, ban on marijuana users owning guns is unconstitutional, a U.S. judge rules. Mm. A federal law prohibiting marijuana users from possessing firearms is unconstitutional. A federal judge has concluded, citing last year's U.S. Supreme Court ruling that significantly expanded gun rights. U.S. District Judge Patrick Wyrick, an appointee of former Republican Donald Trump in Oklahoma City on Friday, dismissed an indictment against a man charged in August with violating that ban, saying that it infringed on his right to bear arms under the U.S. Constitution's Second Amendment. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's powerful and that's big. Uh, I'm really glad to hear that. Huge precedent. How many decades did this take? Too many. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been hearing about this prohibition for at least two decades, maybe yeah. longer. I, I don't know when it came about. Uh, Wyrick said that while the government can protect the public from dangerous people possessing guns, it could not argue Jared Harrison's mere status as a user of marijuana justifies stripping him of his fundamental right to possess 
a firearm. Thank goodness. I mean, basically the prohibitionist argument here is cannabis makes you so crazy. (laughs) You can't possibly handle a gun. Yeah, you got to decide whether to pick up your bag of Doritos or your firearm. And look, I'm not advocating that somebody go blaze a huge blunt and then start, you know, go to the firing range. I I don't think that is probably the best uh, thing to do. I don't think that's necessarily the the most sensible approach to, you know, practicing with your, your gun. That said, I don't think that the possession of cannabis and the possession of a gun at the same time Meaning that you know, there's a bag of weed in your backpack and there's a gun on your hip. Right. I don't think that's a, that should be a crime. I don't think no, that that, that is in any way putting anyone in danger at all. It would be, uh, I don't want to say the same, but I, I would liken the prohibition of owning a gun if you use marijuana, uh, something akin to prohibiting you owning or using a firearm if you have a beer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> like, how ridiculous be... is that, right? Or insert any other substance here. If you have aspirin in your medicine cabinet, you cannot own a gun. It's so dumb. It is so ridiculous for this to even exist. I bet you, if you did a study where you put people on a firing range with, you know, somebody to watch over them, right? Just to make sure that they don't put point the gun in the wrong direction or something right. accidentally. And you gave them a bottle of whiskey... And you gave them a big fat blunt. Yep. Separately, not together. Right. Right. So you got your, you know, get you got your control you got group. Blunt man over here and whiskey yeah, man over here. You got here. the whiskey guys. You got the blunt guys. And then you go ahead and just have the guys drink some amount of whiskey, a couple yep. shots or three shots or whatever. More, you know, keep doing them. Right. Right. Take one shot. All right. Now you go and fire a clip off. You know, fire a, a magazine off. Uh, take another shot. Okay. Now you go and fire another one, and then th- see how it goes. Yeah. You know, see how their accuracy uh, improves or <laughs> not over time. It's like those old videos they used to do on the news about drunk driving, where they'd like have a test guy and they'd give him one shot, and make him drive this little obstacle yeah. course, and then another shot, and then another shot, and they keep making him drive until he was, you know, knocking cones over. Or whatever. Well, you know, they did that when uh, I think it was Washington. You mentioned Washington State when Washington State and Oregon uh, became the first. Uh, legal states as far as recreational use of cannabis they right. actually did that test it was a tv station they went down to the local track and they uh they had you know again the two groups they had the guys with the the weed and the guys with the alcohol and i believe it was actually the same group on different days yeah so they had you know they tested them with weed they tested them with alcohol and they found that the weed drivers drove better than the alcohol oh, drivers. Gee, go figure yeah and i bet you <laughs> I'd be willing to put money on it that the weed smoking gun shooting crew would be more accurate than the drinking guys. And I would argue that they'd be more careful. I think they would, though it's not impossible to make a mistake, right? It's not impossible to make a mistake while sober. Humans are humans. They're going to make mistakes. And that that would be, to me, the only concern with using uh, something like cannabis at a gun range is... You might forget something. There's that possibility. Yeah. You might overlook something. And I so that's why I say I wouldn't recommend I, it. But I, I can't name anybody. I've known many a stoner. I've I've smoked much marijuana in mm-hmm. my life. And uh, I can't name anybody who has gotten behind the wheel of a car while stoned on, on marijuana and become a, a danger to anybody. Really, if yeah, anything, no. they're more careful. They drive slower. They're more paranoid about getting pulled over. Okay, but is that why? Is it because they're paranoid about getting pulled over, or if it were legal? Let's say it were legal yeah. to possess and and you know even be high while driving. Yeah. 
would they then be as careful? I mean, I I would have to say yeah, only because mm-hmm. like I've seen the same set of circumstances, but around other stuff, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of musical equipment in a you know multi million dollar recording studio, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, dudes smoke a blunt before they. You know they're going to lay down their tracks for their their recording session or whatever, and they're in a they're in a studio that they've only paid some amount of rent for for you know the week or the day or whatever it is to record their song, and they are super careful. They're extra careful around other people's stuff. Yeah, because they themselves are like, oh, I've spent you know thousands of dollars on my gear, and so you know they're even more careful. Whereas you take the same guys uh, in the same environment and you give them you know a bottle of Jameson. You know, all of a sudden they're falling over equipment, they're tripping over cords, oh, yeah. they're spilling on the oh, keyboard, God. you know, on the expensive gear in the studio, that kind of a thing. That's so terrible. Like, like that kind of event, oh, ha- the, the events that happen with alcohol don't happen with just weed in the same environment. Mm-hmm. I've been there, I've seen it. I was, uh, you know, I did my internship at a couple of different recording studios in uh, Minneapolis. And so I was in on some sessions where, you know, the, the, the unwritten rule was what happens in the studio stays in the studio, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the rule that you're under because these artists pay bucks for Big these time. these environments. And so, uh, you know, I got to see some stuff. It was pretty cool. I had a great time. I met some super cool people. But I also saw extreme intoxication during mm-hmm. these se- sessions, uh, both alcohol, weed, and some other stuff as well. And, you know, I, I can say just from, you know, call it anecdotal experience or whatever you want. But that's that's my observation. Yeah. So what else do we need to know here? This is just a district court judge, right? So this is only going to affect that particular district, right? That's only going to affect that uh, circuit or whatever they call it, right? Well, uh, the article goes on to say, he said, using marijuana was not in and of itself violent, forceful, or a threatening act. And noted, uh-huh. that, and noted that Oklahoma is one of a number of states where the drug's still legal under federal law or still illegal. Yeah. under federal law, can be legally bought for medicinal uses. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, I'm surprised Oklahoma has medicinal. I've always heard they're a very conservative yeah. crackdown kind of state. I, I'm not really—I think most states have medicinal now. It is true. Yeah, yeah, I think last I heard it was like 36, and that was a couple of years ago, so maybe maybe 38 or, or more now. I don't know. Uh, Laura Deskin, a public defender representing Harrison, so this guy went to court with a public defender. And he won. This thing, wow, good for him. Said the wow. ruling was a step in the right direction for a large number of Americans who deserve the right to bear arms, protect their homes, just like anyone else. She called marijuana the most commonly used drug illegal at the federal level. Of course, duh. Uh, yeah, it's, the- a, it's still a Schedule One quote-unquote narcotic. After all these years, after all the talk, after all the political uh, posturing, by the Democrats and the Republicans in Washington, D.C., that still hasn't changed, even after dozens of states have decriminalized and or legalized the substance for either medical or recreational use, yep. even after all the doctors, the parade of doctors and patients have yep. come out and shown beyond the shadow of a doubt yeah. that this is a medicine yeah. that it helps people oh something the natives knew already and we didn't really even have to put any thought into it's taken 200 years yeah it's still schedule one which according to the federal government means that it has no recognized medical uses that's horse hockey and it is still just sitting there how many more decades is it going to take <sighs> I- you is know, this the one? Is this the one, or is it going to happen before twenty thirty? 
at the federal level? Well, you know how slow government works. Yeah, it's And awful. you also know that it's very, very rare yeah. that any law comes off the books right? at any level. So there is no set process for removing laws from the books. All yeah. you can do is make more laws to negate existing laws. Well, I mean, they, right. They, they do have to uh, pass a law to strike a law. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, the article continues, the decision marked the latest instance of a court declaring a gun regulation unconstitutional after the U.S. Supreme Court's 6-3 to mm-hmm. conservative majority in June ruled that the Second Amendment protects a person's right to carry a handgun in public for self-defense. That ruling, New York State Rifle and Pistol uh, Association versus Bruin, announced a new test for assessing firearms laws, saying restrictions must be, quote, consistent with this nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation, unquote. Uh, That's a BS sentence. Uh, On Thursday, the New Orleans-based 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals cited that decision in declaring unconstitutional a federal law barring people under domestic violence restraining orders from owning firearms. So, This is great news. Now, does it say anything about... I presume the Justice Department is the other side of this. It says the U.S. Department of Justice did not respond to a request for comment, but is likely to appeal. That was going to be my question, is are they going to appeal it? And I hope they do, uh, because if they appeal, it means it goes up to the next level, which would be the appeals court of Mm -hmm. whatever circuit that particular Oklahoma court is in, and that will be an important ruling in that case. So kudos. Now, apparently, people, at the very least in Oklahoma, (laughs) who... uh, who use cannabis can defend themselves. Well, and that's the way I understood that. And and hopefully this, you know, this is precedent, this sets precedent, and this can uh, free people everywhere to own firearms. And well, unfortunately, the, as I understand it, the system doesn't work quite that way. I know, but um, hopefully this is but a it can stepping be looked stone. At. Yeah, it can in, be looked at by, by other courts. It would sure be nice uh, for there to be more freedom. Yeah. I, I think one of the. Uh, one of the things I find most pathetic about society today is the lack of desire for freedom. Yeah, and it's true. There's there's a word I use, uh, eleutheromania, mm-hmm. uh, and it just means the uh, desire for freedom, or the insatiable desire for freedom, something along those lines. You can look it up. Uh, and that seems to be sorely lacking in the United States today. Most people uh, don't have it yet. Most people would rather be comfortable than free. So this whole like land of the free thing is no, it's land of the no, comfortable. That's right. Like they don't want freedom. Freedom scares people. What is it they say? Good times make weak men. I think. Yeah. And we're in that. We're in that phase for sure. Well, at right least now. the ones who hate winter aren't coming here. That's true. Uh, you can join the show. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Whether you want to comment on guns and weed, which is. I'm really glad to hear this news. I did not see this coming. I'm like, this pl- is, pleasantly surprised. This is so fresh out this. off the presses. Like This was good posted find. by Reuters two yeah. hours ago, according to the article. Definitely a good find. Uh, so you, we started out the show by talking about New Hampshire as this destination for freedom-loving people. Yes. And it is. And there's no larger gathering of liberty-oriented minds and activists than there is here in New Hampshire. There's an amazing community here uh, that just keeps getting bigger over the years and it keeps getting more effective as well and now there's a major decision that's been made by the democratic national committee that is going to i think cripple the democratic party to some extent here in new hampshire so it's a decision made by them that's going to cripple them yes and we did talk about this as a potential something that could be happening 
a few weeks ago or a few months ago on Free Talk Live. We actually had Keith Ammon, who's a, a state representative. He's a libertarian activist who moved here as part of the Free State Project. He ran as a Republican to get elected yeah. here in New Hampshire. He's actually a multi-term rep. He's a big crypto guy. He puts in a lot of bills to try to yeah, I've heard create, the name. Yeah, he's trying to like create a kind of a crypto regulatory structure that is, even though we don't like regulations or anything, there's some companies that just they got to have them in order to feel comfortable moving yeah. there. So the idea is to attract more crypto companies here to sure. New Hampshire and have certain protections in place uh, for them. He's a great, great guy. And he was paying close attention to this. We actually had him on the show to kind of give us a rundown of exactly what's going on. Because it's a little confusing of what they're doing in the Democratic Party. So, is, it, is it they're disbanding the, the party entirely? No. No, no right. but they're basically... they're basically <laughs> that would cripple them. They're basically taking, a, a, you know, like a club to their own knee in the state of New Hampshire... They're crippling themselves in the state of New Hampshire. It's being done by the National Party. So the, the local party in New Hampshire isn't doing this. They've been arguing against it. Okay. Uh, but the National Party is doing it to them. And the, the deal is now done. So when we last talked about this, it was a, a, like a subcommittee of the Democratic National Committee had made the decision to move forward with this. But it can't happen without the full Democratic National Committee voting to do this thing. That okay, so it's worked its way up the ladder. It's in the to party, the top so level, to and the top level has decided... This is happening. What is it? They voted today to dramatically alter the top of its presidential nominating calendar for the 2024 election cycle and presumably beyond, uh, but definitely for this next uh, presidential election, bumping Iowa and New Hampshire from their longtime leadoff positions, which means that New Hampshire for a very long time has been the quote unquote first in the nation primary, meaning that New Hampshire of all of the states now some some states have the caucus, so Iowa has the caucus. Mm-hmm. So Iowa's caucus actually happens before New Hampshire's primary, but then New Hampshire is the first primary. Um, and so that means that there's a lot of attention given to New Hampshire, yeah. sort of an, you know disproportionate amount of attention given how small the state is. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, before I moved, uh, when I mentioned where I was moving to to some uh, folks who are less liberty-oriented than I— uh, they mentioned that. They're like, oh, so you're going to meet the president when the, whenever the candidates come through and that kind of thing? Because I know yeah, they all come that, here. that they all come here, you know, and it's sort of early on in the campaign trail and that yeah. kind of thing. So this is all a part of that, right? Correct. And New Hampshire, you know, for better or for worse, I consider it to be worse. I'm glad these people are going to be leaving <laughs> from New Hampshire. We don't need them. Uh, but uh, for better or for worse, there's like uh, the mentality here is like, we're proud. We're proud of our first in the nation primary. They they like it when the politicians come here and they glad hand and they go to the it local diner. The press, right? yeah. It gets them in the press. And and it, 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 it does allow people to to actually reach these these individuals. Not that it matters. Not right. that these politicians give a damn what you think about them. It's all just playing pretend. The politician shows up at some uh, local town hall, yep. which... These are small venues, right? So, like, if you want to meet Jeb Bush or whoever it is that's running for office, there's a good chance you'll be able to say something to him or shake his hand or something like that. And there's just some people who get all the flutter about the politicians. For the small town people who, you know, rarely get outside of the small town that they grew up and or live in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for them, it's their only chance for a brush with greatness. Oh, God. 
you know, oh my gosh, you know, it's like uh, they are not great I, people. I, I mean, I've been in in small towns, you know, when I was growing up, and I remember like the old ladies flipping up because yeah. so and so got their picture in the newspaper. Right. right? It's it's that, that kind stuff. of that brush with fame reaction. This is what I hate about politicians. Everybody treats them like they're Hollywood film yeah. stars. They're the worst. Right? I the almost scum. I almost don't mind Hollywood film stars being treated like Hollywood film stars. Mm-hmm. Right? If they're at least talented they provide something and, of entertainment. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and the, but these politicians, they don't do any of that, but they get the same treatment. And I don't know it's why. It's disgusting. I, I really hate it. It's yeah. a flaw of humanity that needs to go away. Everybody needs to open their eyes and realize what a farce this is. Yeah, it is one of the I mean, there's not a lot I dislike about New Hampshire. I really love being here in the, the liberty movement yeah. here. But it is a, an eye roller when you go into some local diner and they've got like a whole wall covered of photographs of politicians right. that have come there. And it's just like, oh, this is That's not their claim to fame. You don't need to be proud of the fact that scum of the earth have come and eaten at your diner. Let's go to the phone. So we'll uh, continue with what the DNC is doing. You're on Free Talk Live. Caller, what is your name? Hi, my name is Greg. Greg, you're on the air. Yeah, good. Uh, I just had one thought about uh, marijuana and uh, the gun thing. Uh, The strong marijuana, I'm not a smoker. I I think I tried it about 50 years ago. But anyway, they say the stronger the marijuana, uh, it's able to induce paranoia. (laughs) And I would be afraid somebody think, oh, my God, this this guy is a threat to me. But that's just a thought. I'd like to know what you guys think. The second time I listen to you guys, you guys are good. Keep it up. Well, welcome. I would say to this, uh, there's a wide range of reactions to the use of cannabis. Some people just laugh at things more often. Some people mellow out and they just want to relax. Uh, And there probably are some people who get paranoid. But uh, one reason they might be getting paranoid is because there might actually be uh, men with guns out there that are looking to throw them in a cage. So I think that's one reason why paranoia is associated with cannabis. I don't know if cannabis would have that effect on people if they knew they couldn't be thrown in a cage for the use of cannabis. I, I don't think it would be as paranoia-inducing. Yeah. I mean, And you have to yeah. look at sort of the, the level of risk of that. What you're talking about is probably a fringe edge case of somebody who's having you know, a, a more serious reaction to some strain of marijuana, which could easily be balanced out with you know the appropriate consultation, perhaps a different strain, something along those lines, for that person if they want to continue to use marijuana. But it is in no way an excuse to take away somebody's right to defend themselves. Absolutely. Oh, no, I'm absolutely second amendment, I guarantee it. Greg, thank you for the call tonight, man. Appreciate hearing from you. There's more coming up. You can join us on the air on Free Talk Live. The number is 603-283-6160. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Thank you. 
Live Saturday show. The phones are open here if you want to join us. Yes, we will, without the profanity, though. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. At least until later. That's right. Later on, uh, we do have Beard Talk Live, which will be coming up at 1030 Eastern Time. It happens every Saturday night. What is it, 20-something weeks now? Twenty? You guys getting close to 26? you got to uh, be, right? I have to look at it. No, I think we might be at 24, 25. That's close to 26. I mean, that's getting there. It's almost half a year. Captain, y- yeah, in case. I, you know, I don't want to start celebrating that until we like hit like a year. You know? Okay, all right, fair enough. If we've been around a year, I feel like that's a that's a milestone. Anything True. before, like, uh, there's so many. Like, I get so many pings on the social media about, "Hey, I'm starting a podcast." Like, everybody's got a podcast yeah, they now do. and that kind of thing. So, like, yeah, we have a leg up because we're an extension of Free Talk Live, so to speak. We're here in the studio. You know, that kind of a thing. So, like, I, I feel like the, the bar is a bit higher for Beard Talk Live than it would be. But so many of these podcasts that people on my social media, they start, they do a couple episodes, and then it disappears. It's gone. It's like, well, Yeah, that's right. What, you know, and one of the one of the first things of doing any kind of a, a cast, podcast, video cast, whatever it is, is, like, you got to stick with it. Agreed. You're not going to build it like everybody thinks. Oh, I start a podcast. They think, oh, you're automatically going to get a bunch of followers, a bunch of audience, and all that kind of stuff. No, it takes a long you, time. Yeah, got to work at it. It takes a long time. You have to put effort into it. Unless you already are a celebrity, in which case you have a built-in fan following right. and then instant success. Uh, but uh, that's why I always have the rule as far as deciding who can get on LRN.FM, which is just a little internet network that yeah. I've been programming for more than a decade. Um, I won't look at your show unless you've been around six months with regular publishing. Right. just isn't worth my time right. because of what you're saying. So many shows start and then they're done. Right. And it's like a little hobby for a little while and it doesn't make any money. And so it's like yeah. they're they're done. Now, I'm not trying to discourage anybody. If you are thinking about no. uh, starting a podcast of your own. We're just telling uh, you how to do it right. Or or even like an internet radio station or something like that. Yeah. Uh, please go ahead and try. If that is your desire to do so, please go ahead and do so. Yeah, like, absolutely. Particularly if you're freedom-minded. Like, yes, we do freedom-oriented media all the time, but I'm of the opinion that we need more, a lot more, a whole lot more. So if particularly if you're freedom-minded and your show is going to be leaning towards the philosophies of freedom, by all means, get started. Just don't like give up after you know you don't get a bunch of followers in the first two to five episodes. Like that's not how it works. You have yeah. to put effort into promotion. You have to continuously uh, advertise what you're doing, why you're doing it, why you're different than other programs. What is your niche? What makes you unique? So if uh, you appreciate what we do here on Free Talk Live, you can join our AMPS program at amps.freetalklive.com. It stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. And it's all five bucks a month if you want to help us get the word out about the ideas of liberty and peace and freedom and cryptocurrency, the things we talk about regularly here on Free Talk Live. You can do that over at amps.freetalklive.com. That gets you connected with our Patreon. Uh, That is one way that you can support our show. There's now another way, which is through Odyssey. We've enabled the Odyssey subscription service, and now you can. So some people don't like Patreon, right? They're not Uh, uh, accepting crypto, though, are they? No, you can't do it with crypto. You have you have to do it with dollars. Through, Even with the Odyssey. Odyssey, whatever their token yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Um, I mean, if you have the Odyssey token and you want to, or the rather the library token, and you want to donate it, you can. I just can't. I can't do anything with it. I can't touch. No, I meant uh, Odyssey in general. Like yeah. like 
you know, if some guy goes and grabs an Odyssey account, can he set up a Patreon-like thing and accept crypto? I can go not through a monthly subscription. I was under the impression that something that Odyssey was working towards was allowing you to be able to post videos and other content, digital yeah. content, but also with sort of a uh, that type of a Patreon front. But crypto would be an acceptable currency for your monthly subscription to that. No, unfortunately, no that uh, that is not the case, and okay. I don't believe that I don't believe they're working on that. Okay. Um, they have at Odyssey and Library. They've, there's always been the ability to put on a fee in order to see a video, which is based in library credits. Right. Um, so that's one way that you can sort of collect library credits, and then you can always donate library credits to your favorite providers, your favorite content uh, sure. creators. So that's there too. There's just no mechanism to do an automatic monthly donation. I don't know. Maybe that's something they could do. This seems like it would be such a great thing for cryptocurrency if somebody could invent it. Ever since uh, the SEC has targeted library for destruction, yeah. they, they sort of Odyssey has kind of gone off in the, okay, we'll do dollars right. direction. Right. No. So, I, I get it. I can't just blame saying, them for uh, it. Outside of the Odyssey sphere. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I'm just... Perhaps there's a, you know, uh, I don't know, an entrepreneurial coder listening and like has a way to make this happen. Like, I feel like there needs to be a platform like Patreon yeah. that does the things that something like Patreon does, but either exclusively accepts crypto or also accepts cryptocurrency in addition to USD. The problem is, um, you know, we kind of did this with the Free Talk Live AMP program for a time. For some number of years, we had a crypto option. Not yeah. many people took advantage of it, uh, but it was there yeah. and probably never should have had it because it cost a lot of money to implement. <laughs> we never never even came close to well, making it back. Yeah, but, but you were on the cutting edge yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Um, so we had that. And the way it had to work was you had to prepay because... You know, you can't, the way crypto works generally is you can't just reach into somebody's wallet and pull crypto out. They right. have to authorize sending. So it's it's completely different from credit cards. Credit card, you give somebody the number, the expiration, the CVV, and maybe the name on the card, and then they can just, you've authorized right, them right. to pull money out of your account. You can't do that it's, with cryptocurrency. It's one of the evils of, of credit cards is this automated uh, payment process out of sight, out of mind. Whereas, yeah. well, it's whereas, also convenient. I mean, well, you say it's evil, but it is nice to have that. It depends. Right? Like, I'm not a fan of automating things coming out of my account or my card. I sure am. I don't want to have to deal with paying a bill every um, single month. There is one thing that I subscribe to. It's a VPN service mm -hmm. that I load an account with some crypto, mm -hmm. and whenever that, you know, yearly, monthly, whatever it is, comes due, right. they take money out of that account that yeah. i've preloaded so that would be a way to do this right. is what you're talking about would be you would then be giving your crypto to this company and they would hold the crypto for you and take from the crypto that yeah. you give them every single month yeah but then you've still given them all your crypto so like what's the point of that and, uh, and i realize this wouldn't have the same impact but uh, you know companies uh, this is technology that exists companies name them uh will email you you know, uh, your utility company, yep. like, hey, your bills do, you know, that kind of thing. So it would be easy enough for somebody you know, in this position to just go, 
hey, uh, time for you to pay your monthly subscription to this thing. Now, yeah. I realize not having it automated, a ton of people, aren't, ton gonna of people are, aren't going to respond. Yeah. And, but you could literally just email a QR code, be like, hey, the bill's due. You know. It's a pain in the butt. I don't want to have to deal with that. And a lot of other people don't either. But anyway, that's that's something they could do if they wanted to. But it's like, what's the demand for it? Yeah, I don't that's know. True. That's true. So um, back to the story here. The Democratic National Committee has now voted in a voice vote. So it was overwhelming. It wasn't even worth counting. Uh, they have voted to strip New Hampshire from its first-in-the-nation primary status. And what does that actually mean? By the way, welcome Peakless Mountaineer. Stripping in New Hampshire? What? It means that we're finally bringing New Hampshire to exactly what I want. Where the two parties, you know, assuming we still have to have a government at all, where the two parties are minarchist and anarchist. You mean the Democrats are going to leave? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I think. I think that yeah. uh, the reason that there is as much investment by the Democratic Party in New Hampshire as there is right now is solely because it of its importance to the primary process. Yeah. And as soon as you strip that from New Hampshire, they're going to pull out all of the funding. And with the funding goes a lot of the people who are here for that purpose. Yes. And yeah, it's one of those, once you see the leadership in that party leaving, then a lot of the Democrats are going to go, you know, Massachusetts is right Looking there. Looking good uh, now. Here's what I have to say. Bye-bye. Don't yeah. let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Yeah. That's it exactly. Yeah, that's absolutely, I think, the takeaway from this. But let me give you a little more detail here in case you're not familiar with what has gone on. So, again, this was the full Democratic National Committee that made this decision. It had previously been a subcommittee that was uh, that was looking at this. The full committee or the full the full on thing has uh, has done this. This is a done deal. This is this is moving forward. They oh, are, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Oh, like, it seemed once likely. They, oh, once they announced it, I'm like, there's no chance this is stopping. Well, Biden's backing it. This is Biden's proposal. So you you go you want to go against Biden? No, the Democrats do not want to go against Biden uh, for whatever reason. And so he got what he wanted. Now, in this case, uh, the push by the DNC, according to FoxNews.com is to upend the primary calendar and give more representation at the top of the schedule to black and Hispanic voters in a party that's become increasingly diverse in recent decades has been vigorously fought by the New Hampshire Democrats, which for century has held the first primary in the race for the White House. Longtime New Hampshire Democratic Party chair Ray Buckley on the eve of the vote called the move by the DNC mind-boggling and a self-inflicted wound that would hurt the chances of Democratic candidates in 2024 in the key Northeastern general election battleground state. But they don't care about the other candidates. They only care about Joe Biden and or any other big name candidates who, uh, you know, are basically what's going to happen here is if candidates run for president in New Hampshire, they will be punished by the Democratic National Committee. And this story from Fox News doesn't really get into how they're planning on punishing them. I don't know if those decisions have yet been made. I don't know if those what, votes have what happened. What do you mean, pun- like how, give me a scenario that would end up with... Some people have suggested that they may strip them of their delegates, meaning that when a, when a, a local election happens for president, yeah. so when the primary happens in any given state, yeah. the winner of that contest is awarded delegates and these are people who go to the the big democratic national convention we're in whatever city that happens to be held that year and then they all vote for who their presidential candidate is going to be 
So it, even though you vote for a guy in the local election for a primary, that isn't necessarily who the delegate will go and vote for. Right, right. They probably will. But in theory, the delegate could go ahead and vote for somebody else. Yeah, uh, It's kind of like the whole national electors thing. The electors are supposed to vote for what the state, the people of the state vote so it for. Sounds they like, don't have to. So it sounds like whoever wins that contest gathers a posse. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and they go to the convention and are like, all right, you guys are going to vote for me, right? And they go, yes, yes, yeah. we are. So they're going to basically say, look, you're just not going to have any delegates. If you run in New Hampshire. Okay, they're going to strip the number of delegates yeah, you or can be the winner. You can you can you can We can't stop you from running. That's a state-level thing, right? So people well, and, that, and this state uh, has to have the first primary. It's by they law. They don't have to count it, though. The Democrat National Committee does not have to count it. Exactly. Correct. Correct. Uh, so the vote by the DNC's nearly 500 voting members gathered for the party's winter meeting. You want to talk about bureaucracy. A 500-member. <laughs> wow. Uh, was the final approval needed. Biden's proposal to move South Carolina to the lead position in the Democrats' primary calendar. Under his plan, South Carolina will hold its primary February 3rd of 2024, with New Hampshire and Nevada holding their primaries three days later, followed by Georgia on February 13th, and then Michigan two weeks but later. Why oh, South that's Carolina? the dumb way to do it. Now he's just, okay, now New Hampshire has to move it to earlier than that. Like, by law, we have to have the first one. Mm, well, I don't know. I, I'm i not sure exactly what's going to happen with that. That may, I don't know if South Carolina, I guess this does mean South Carolina is going to move theirs, in which case then, yes, New Hampshire would move theirs earlier, uh, if that's true. But the thing is, the Democrats aren't going to count it, so it won't matter. Mm-hmm. Democrat New Hampshire will have the first in the nation primary. It's just the Democrats are now just going to look the other way, mm-hmm. and they're not going to pay any attention a to it. Bunch of useless gyrating. <laughs> I mean, really, like, like, could you put like more effort into something with less output? <laughs> is that yeah. possible? Well, these are politicians. You well, know, to them, this is all. Th- this is how they fight white supremacy. Yeah, no, that's not. Yeah, so important. This is all about race. That's what this is all. This all boils down to is well, there's more black people and more Hispanics in South Carolina, and so the the, the idea is that well, that's more representative of the whole of the United States. Even though obviously South Carolinians have nothing whatsoever to do with Californians and nothing whatsoever to do with right. you know people in Oregon or whatever. But regardless, that's the that's the excuse that the Democratic National Committee is using here. Is there's there's more diversity so therefore we want them to pick the first democratic winner and also what it comes down to is biden did not do well in new hampshire when he ran uh <laughs> in new hampshire shocking surprised he did well anywhere and so they don't want to repeat. well i mean he kind of didn't actually like he was eliminated immediately but then everyone dropped out of the race at the same time and i mean he just seems their, like yeah. a type of person as a human being that isn't well he is definitely not well <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was a lot of shenanigans to get him the nomination. He like that this was not the people's choice. <laughs> Who the hell decided that a popularity contest was a way to, you know, r- organize and run society? Like well, what a stupid concept. How else are we going to pick the top murderer? <laughs> like 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 would you have whoever wins American Idol be president? <laughs> well, my theory is pirates. they actually run a cleaner election and have a better voting system than the U.S. government does. I think the people that decided that this was the right system were the pirates. 
Because in on a pirate ship, you would have democracy because I this think, way you avoid a coup, or think, in their case, a mutiny. I think somebody conned a bunch of um, low IQ'd people by going, okay, look, I, I realize that uh, you know just having me rule over everybody isn't fair. So what we'll do, you see, is we'll have this contest, and it'll be a popularity contest, so whoever's the most popular will win and get to be your master. Well- if it was just a popularity contest, they would have let women vote from the beginning. Mm. It's more than just a popularity contest. It's they wanted to get a basic gauge of, hey, if we were to have a civil war, who would win? So that's why it was men of fighting age with enough, uh, with enough resources to have land. So that you had sort of a gauge of, okay, how many fighting men that can actually afford a rifle are we talking here? Well, yeah, taking a, a gauge of who might be willing to participate in some sort of a, uh, an insurrection is a far cry from, let's have a popularity mm. contest to see who's the master of all, of the largest empire the world has ever seen. Is it? Yes, I believe it is. I, mean, I believe those things are far apart from each other. I mean, not really. <laughs> like, if you have a... a if How are you they are, not far apart from each other? I mean, there's a few steps for sure, but they are really... They're more, they're more similar than they are different. Because if you are more popular, and that's that's one of the strange things about Trump that really riles up the establishment is that who he caters to are the the fightiest people in America. You know, the tough guys, the construction workers, the miners, you know, the truckers, the 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 people who are the most likely to actually stand their ground against a tyrannical government were the ones who he was courting the vote for. That's one of the things that upset them so much is that it was moving back in the direction of like, hey, if we were to have a civil war, who would win? And let's check that so that we don't have to have a civil war. But it's really not that different from a popularity contest because if you have the support of, I mean, it's a little I mean, different in no that now that we're, it's a little different when you're, when you're close to 50-50. But when you have an overwhelming popular, like if you are overwhelmingly more popular than the other guy, then you will definitely win a civil war. Well, there's war. no question that it is a popularity contest, albeit one with several stages of chicanery in between people actually deciding who they you know think is the most popular mm -hmm. or the right person. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of chicanery involved in the steps leading mm -hmm. up to the election, but it the system is corrupt in the fact that it doesn't allow for you to rule yourself. Well, yeah, I'm nope, not sure suggesting otherwise. Now, as far as the chicanery goes, I think that's why they're not so very concerned about, uh, I, I think the article uh, was talking about uh, our key uh, Northeastern uh, vote. Like, I don't think they're all that concerned about it because they'll just cheat. Like, what do you mean? I, I mean that the Democratic Party has proven that they are more effective as cheaters than the Republican Party. I don't know. Look at what happened to Ron Paul. I mean, he got cheated big time. That's true. Yeah. I mean, the cheating's going to go on. That's just politics, that they're scum of the earth. Uh, but some of those scumbags had something to say about this. Joanne Dowdell, who is a New Hampshire committee member on the DNC's bylaws panel. Joanne Dodo? Dowdell. Oh, sorry. She said, we're frustrated because as many times as we say it, no one seems to listen when we say that this will only hurt President Biden in our purple battleground state, she said. They, uh, gave I'm sorry, what? I wasn't listening. She claims I'm, it's going to only I'm hurt. She, she uh, said, "I say it over and over again." President Biden. Yeah. Well, what she means is the 
the vote that was taken uh, on the bylaws committee, New Hampshire and Iowa were the only two no votes. So everyone else voted, yes, we want to demote Iowa. Yes, we want to demote New Hampshire. And, the, you know, she's saying she didn't feel like she was listened to. And that's because the fix is in. This is a done deal. This is mm-hmm. happening. And now it's official at the, the DNC level. But it's not going to – I don't even think Biden's going to be on the ballot. That's the way it sounds to me here in New Hampshire is yeah. they're just not going to run him here. I, I know this is uh, – no one thinks this will happen except for me. But I still think it's going to be Kamala. I think that something is going oh, to happen. he's not going to run. Yeah, I think that something is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, with his health. With his health, yeah. most likely. Uh, but he's going to have to step down as president. We'll get approximately two years of Kamala. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, she will have looked good enough that they will run her. That That's still what I think is going to happen because... Mm. What else is going to – who else do they have? He's going to be not old. Gonna, they're, they don't want to run him again. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you see how they respond when he's saying, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to run again, they are not going to let him run. Do you think this whole like let's search his house for documents kind of thing is a factor there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why they had the timing of it. Like they mm-hmm. knew about this thing for quite a while, but they waited until the midterm elections were over and it's like, okay – now it's time to turn our backs on Biden so that we can get to the next thing because we're done with what his job was. His job was to reunify us as the Democratic blue no matter who people. Okay, job accomplished. Now we need to move on to the next thing. So let's go ahead and tear him down. The DNC is insisting that New Hampshire, in order to keep its early voting slot in the new calendar, needs to scrap a decades-old state law that protects its first-in-the-nation primary status and must expand legislation to expand access to early voting. (laughs) Good luck. But with Republicans in control of New Hampshire's governor's office and both houses of the state legislature, the Democrats argue that that's a non-starter. So, yeah, they're they're not going to go along with it. I also argue that. Yeah. For exactly that reason. Feeding the machine of your own oppression. Yes, everybody, cast your vote for the machine that oppresses you. The Rules and Bylaws Committee last week extended until June the deadline for New Hampshire and Georgia, which also has a GOP-controlled governor's office and state legislature to come in compliance with the DNC's new calendar, which is not going to happen. Sununu, who is the governor of New Hampshire, uh, and state Republicans have repeatedly slammed Biden and the DNC. Sununu, uh, Sununu has reiterated that, quote, we're going first no matter what. So, I mean, this is this is moving forward. It's going to be really interesting we'll to watch. if we have to, by God. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to watch to see how this uh, plays out, because I think, uh, Peekless, your prediction here is going to sh- you know prove to be correct. Basically, any serious candidates... For the Democratic Party, which you know the only serious one's going to be Biden or Kamala Harris, if that's how it, mm-hmm. it ends up shaking out. And that's that was I mean, true with the Republicans, too. Not writing off the possibility that someone else is going to come out of the woodwork, but I haven't it seen it yet. It doesn't happen that way. Yeah. I mean, you look at what happened with the Republicans in 2020. Trump was going to run again, mm-hmm. and the only person to challenge him was Bill Weld. He was the only one, and he had zero chance. He got near to zero uh, votes, and it was just a complete throwaway mm-hmm. because these—and the Democrats are even more centrally controlled. The illusion of choice. 
Indeed. Uh, the Democrats are even more centrally controlled, more so than, than even the Republicans. I mean, they're all bad. Mm-hmm. The Democrats are even worse at this. You cannot step out from the shadows in the Democratic Party and just become this dark horse candidate that's going to run uh, against the president and have a chance. You're going to be shut down, kind of like in the same way they shut down Ron Paul at a lot of those Democratic or those, uh, those Republican committee meetings or whatever. They're going to do the same thing here if these well, people even try to step forward. Well, since age is obviously no longer a factor, how about Pelosi? To, she's to prominent enough. Yeah, but she's. I mean, she's, if you're reaching that far down into the grab bag, how about uh, Alexandria Ocrazy Cortez? But these are all uh, part of the run. Really? Too young. Too young. Uh, these are all part of the system. All of these people you're talking about, they don't want to rock the boat. They want to have their time when it's their time. They want they to be ruler. They, they want don't to be do king. that by stepping forward to take on the current king, which is Joe Biden and or Kamala Harris. So you're just not going to see it. Um, so I think what you may end up seeing is all of the unusual candidates running in New Hampshire, and Vermin Supreme has a real chance of actually winning the Democratic primary <laughs> that would be in New Hampshire. We're coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We are kicking off the second hour here of this program, the last Saturday episode. The number for you is 603-283-6160. Your predictions are welcome on what's going to happen in 2024 with regard to the Democratic National primaries happening not officially in New Hampshire as of this point. Democratic National Committee has demoted New Hampshire to second place, which basically means that Joe Biden, according to the Democratic Committee chairman of New Hampshire, Ray Buckley, he says, quote, President Biden will not file for election in the New Hampshire primary, which will still go first. So what happened, if you're just tuning in, is the Democrats have made the decision at the national level to ignore the New Hampshire primary. New Hampshire is going to go first, but Democrats are now saying we're just not going to count. Whatever happens in New Hampshire happens. Go ahead. We don't care. Yeah, whatever happens in New Hampshire is only happening in New Hampshire. We're not going to count it. In fact, if you register as a Democrat candidate in New Hampshire, you will be punished in some way, shape, or form. Now, it's not clear exactly what the punishment's going to be, but that is what uh, they're, they're planning. And so that's why I predict that if Vermin Supreme really wants a chance at winning the Democratic primary in New Hampshire, this 2024 is going to be the year. Now, I did check his Twitter account. I wanted to see if he'd already weighed in on this. It does not appear that he has yet commented on uh, what's going to happen. At Vermin Supreme, for those that don't know, that's the guy that wears the boot on his head. The boot to the head. When he runs for president. (laughs) He's a brilliant satirist. He, uh, love his stuff. Yeah, he he's constantly just satirizing the whole political process, and he has been known for changing parties over the years. He's run as a Republican. He's run as a Democrat. And I do want my pony. And he's done it more than once. You're referring to his promise that everyone get a free pony if, yes. uh, if he but, gets elected. But is it worth making it illegal not to brush your teeth? This is something I'll have to weigh carefully. <laughs> Cleanliness is close to godliness, after all. 
but uh, so, yeah, I, I hope somebody's going to be able to, to get Berman to weigh in here on what his plan is for 2024, because I know he most recently ran as a libertarian in the Libertarian Party's primary, which is an internal party thing. It doesn't there's no vote at the national level or anything like that. Uh, they just do it at their convention. He didn't win. I think he ended up getting third place or something like that. So, like, you know, like, Vermin, I mean, it was cool that you ran for the Libertarians, but I think it's time to go back into the Democratic Party and and possibly walk away with a victory <laughs> here in New Hampshire. Because he doesn't do terribly in New Hampshire. Like, I think he's hit third place or, or something like that uh, in the New Hampshire primaries, uh, 34th place against, like, actual scumbag politicians. And most of the real scum... Uh, the you know they're not going to run in New Hampshire because they will be sanctioned by the Democratic National Committee if they do. It's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. And the, you have to remember that the reason that people focus well that the uh, political parties focus so much on New Hampshire is because it sets the tone for the rest of the primary season. Yeah. So if he does take the Democratic uh, National uh, primary here in New Hampshire, he has a better chance of making a better showing throughout the country. And You, know, you mean Vermin does? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, at this point, there is such a deep dissatisfaction with government. You might see extraordinary people, numbers of people turn out throughout the country because he, he would get the, the news story going and people would, would chuckle at it and actually show up just to give their little middle finger to the establishment. And then all of a sudden he's actually, you know, cracking 5%. How many other ballots does Vermin Supreme actually end up getting on? You know, I've never actually followed know. his after he uh, go, does his thing in New Hampshire. I kind of lose track of him. Because you know, he's not yeah. hanging around here anymore. Yeah, or I see some you know memes and some video snippets of him you know during elections, and then he just kind of falls off my radar for a while. It's not easy though to get on ballots generally. New Hampshire's mm. unusual because it's pretty easy to do here. I don't know what the fee is for president, but I know to become a governor candidate, it's a hundred bucks. Right. You file a hundred bucks if you're a Republican or a Democrat, and you get on the ballot for governor. I'm like it's super easy. There's a bill in this year that's proposing to increase that, by the way, to like ten thousand dollars. It's insane. Well, Hopefully, you wouldn't want a poor president. No, they I'm talking about governor. People. I'm talking about governor. Uh, uh, wow. Which would be same, insane. Philosophy. So uh, I'm hoping that thing gets just shut down and doesn't go anywhere. But there is a bill. Well, uh, let's. If we're going to increase the fee that much, then we should increase the position commensurately by leaving the United States and becoming our own country. There you go. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, caller, I think this is, is this nobody? This is nobody. Nobody. You're on the air. What's on your mind? Well, there's an anti-war rally coming, or <laughs> supposedly anti-war rally coming. We were just talking and about And there's this. a gentleman named Scott Ritter. Mm-hmm. Who uh, has who is a featured speaker at this thing, and he was invited to be the featured speaker. Then he was disinvited because he has a uh, a history of uh, being accused of uh, child abuse. Oh, and so I was in the process of trying to figure out whether this was a government frame job mm-hmm. or if he really was a problem. It didn't occur to me to find out if he was anti-war because I just assumed that he had been vetted. But I found a uh, Justin Amash retweeted one of his tweets, and I'd like to read it to you on on the air. Um, 
his Scott Ritter says, I don't claim to be anti-war. Never did. There are rabid dogs out there, and we need Atticus Finches to shoot them. That's a reference to the uh, Gregory Peck character in To Kill a Mockingbird, okay. uh, who does shoot a rabid dog during it. He continues to say, I do, however, object to the senseless shooting of healthy dogs. Ukraine is a rabid dog. Russia is Atticus Finch. Thus ends my lesson. Now, I'm all about not robbing the American people to pay for the defense of the Ukraine or any other foreign country under any circumstances. But anti-war is not pro-Russia, and mm-hmm. pro-Russia is not anti-war. So I'm going to, uh, I just want to make my preference clear that this man be disinvited from speaking at any yeah. anti-war rally. Um, and if they can't have the rally without him, just don't have it. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to have the rally without one speaker. This is supposed to be a, a big event. And it's interesting that you brought it up, nobody, because uh, Peekless Mountaineer had come in tonight prepared to talk about this. Are you referring to the Rage Against the War Machine rally coming up on February 19th? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I presume they're going to have a whole lineup of speakers. I have not looked you know, in detail at this particular event, but this one guy I don't think is going to be the, the linchpin or anything. Uh, Ritter is still on the list of well, speakers, uh, which is uh, unfortunate because they have a lot of really great speakers for this thing. Yeah, They do have some great speakers. Um, the problem is that some speakers, for whatever reason, uh, said that they would not participate without uh, this Ritter character. Um, I don't know which speakers said that, but apparently it was a a large enough number that his disinvitation was rescinded. Oh, wow. Oh, well, what are you going to do? You know, we're not in charge of the things. Well, so. well I'm going to call in to free talk live and bitch about it. Yeah. That's what I'm <laughs> I mean, you're not going. I mean, I wouldn't want to go down to D.C. for any uh, any reason whatsoever. I, I wish those people the best. I hope it I hope they have a great turnout and everything like that. But, man, it's being in the belly of the beast, waving signs and then, you know, just poking those those people down there. I, I have no interest in showing up there for that. Yeah, it would be hard to get me to go to D.C. for anything i mean unless they drag me there in chains um but uh i i I, i'm just horrified by the lp and this guy being on the same uh Mm. ticket i think it sends a terrible message well i mean Uh, if you get invited to a rally where people have a different viewpoint overall at the rally but yet you have a chance to speak i think you should speak right like i don't think it's a problem for the lp uh, to show up and get their opinion heard. If you can get an actual anti-war principled opinion on a stage in front of thousands of people where hopefully you can go after this guy speaks and then counter uh, the things that he says, that seems like a great opportunity. Well, and and you may, you may be right. Um, I'm just... Uh, I, I had previously said... Uh, said publicly that you know we should we should find out whether this guy is is really guilty and and we should uh, take our time. So I felt the need to call in and say this guy doesn't belong there. Very so good. That's that's my opinion, and I'm 
sticking with it. And if you want to hear any more of my opinions, you can tune in to Beard Talk Live at 10.30 tonight, and I will be uh, on with uh, Peakless Mountaineer and, and the captain, as you are now. Indeed. And I hope that I hope to hear from you then, or at least that you'll hear from me. That'd be great. Thank you, nobody, for the call. And again, that's 10.30 uh, Eastern time tonight at watch.freetalklive.com. The other thing about... Uh you know, having somebody speak, particularly from the perspective of freedom at an anti-war rally, is that the folks who need the message of liberty the most are the ones who are not espousing it currently. That's true. Yes, yes. And there will be a lot of people at this rally yeah. that may simply be anti this war. They may not have the, you know, principles to say they should be against all war right. entirely and definitely sounds like Ritter is one of those and that's the kind of person who I mean, maybe Ritter's not per, per se someone that can be moved but the people watching that's what i'm talking they about. can be moved right. in their opinion if they are persuaded and you got to be on the stage to persuade those people yeah you got to plant seeds wherever you go and there is value in having somebody of a liberty or principled mind there speaking from that perspective to that particular audience and that was one of my issues with uh, being against one war and not another is one of my issues with another one of the speakers they have scheduled, Tulsi Gabbard. Oh. So mm-hmm. she's very much against this war and this war, but very much for this war, this war, and this war. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, no, see, these ones are wars where we're fighting against our enemies. This one and this one are wars where we're fighting with our enemies. Yeah. So, and honestly, just stop warring. It just does bad things. As someone who is also speaking will tell you, blowback, which is Ron Paul. Ron's going to be at this. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Yep. So. Uh, Ron Paul and uh, Jimmy Dore are the uh, the two at the top of the speaker list. Oh, that's great. I-, I think it's fine. You know, it's okay to bring in these other personalities because the idea is it's going to make the event bigger, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, it's not the most principled thing to do, but is it going to bring a few more thousand people to the thing? Tens of thousands, maybe. I don't know how the, how big this is going to end up being. Yeah. Yeah, it probably is going to. And then again, mixing with those people is a good idea, which is why, you know, I, I think it's important for libertarians to talk to and do things with politically or whatever, whether it be, you know, at the state house in New Hampshire or wherever you happen to live, the people on the left and the people on the right. There are things that we do agree with them on. There are issues on which we can work together and we should. Yeah. You know, we shouldn't just shut them out because they're wrong about a bunch of stuff. We should work with them where they're right and then say, hey, look, you know, here's where we agree and here's where we disagree and, and then talk to them about the areas that we disagree. Maybe we'll persuade some of them. And when it comes to protests, you know, most protests bear zero fruit uh, as far as change. But the yeah, largest, they're not going to just shut down the military. But the largest protests... In, as near as I can tell, have the most effect. So the larger mm-hmm. yep. this anti-war protest can be, the larger the effect it can have. Right. And so it's in the best interest of this protest or any anti-war protest to be as large as it possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And I will definitely expect the general anti-war uh, uh, perspective from Scott Horton will also be up there. Okay, good. Uh, who runs uh, antiwar.com and is uh, just kind of a leading authority on the subject. Yeah. 
So, uh, and that's the thing. This is this really does transcend any kind of partisan politics or even near partisan politics. So, like you are having uh, people uh, reach out from from the Green Party, from the Democrats, from the Libertarians, from the Republicans, because look, this is a question of human survival. If you have a a large enough nuclear war, it is possible to end our species. Sure. At the very least, you will make a tremendous number of very negative changes to humanity's future not the left's future not the right's future not the authoritarian's future not the libertarian's future humanity so being able to come together on just a common sense let's not annihilate the species it's kind of nice Let's pull up this a uh, little bit more information about this, Peakless. You, uh, just before nobody had just happened to call in about it, you were planning on talking about mm-hmm. this. You'd gone to the website, and uh, do you happen to have it handy, what the URL right here, is? Yeah, yeah it's uh, rageagainstwar.com. Okay, rageagainstwar.com. And this is the rally happening on the 19th of this month in Washington, D.C. You have found their... Uh, Planks or the demands? Mm-hmm. What is this yep. list? You've got some sort of a list. Yep, yep. Our demands. Okay, I want to hear it. Number one, not one more penny for war in Ukraine. Okay. They've already had $110 billion. If that's not enough, of course, we, it's not going to be enough. They could have just stopped at not one more penny for war. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But this is not a but, libertarian okay. event. But, and that's the thing. Like, if you're going to pick one war to be against, be against this one, because all of the other ones are at least less likely to end in the nuclear annihilation of the human species. So, I mean, you know, pick your battles, right? Yeah. And look, if you're a generally for war, but you can find it in your heart to be against this one, then welcome to the fold, at least for the next five minutes. Wasn't that Obama's campaign for war? Four war years? <laughs> oh, it was four word. Forward. Oh, sorry. Oh. There's a D at the end. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yes, cut off the spigot of money to the war machine at any cost. Yeah, and especially in this case where we know for a fact we have seen, okay, this much money went to Zelensky. Then Zelensky sent it to Sam Bankman fraud, mm-hmm. and then SBF gave it to the Democratic Party. Right. So, like, we know for a fact, okay, here's this money, this money, this money went to Ukraine, to this cryptocurrency thing that that was so fraudulent that it got shut down. And here's the money that went to the Democratic Party and also a good chunk that went to the Republican Party. So we know that this is a grift. We know for a fact that the money that they're sending in for this war is getting turned around and put into their own pockets. So I am looking here at the organizers of this event, and surprisingly, the Libertarian Party is listed as the top organizer of this event. Their co-organizer, however, is the People's Party, which I have never heard of before. Um, I have been watching that one uh, from uh, uh, Jimmy Doors, who I've heard that that one from. Okay. So yeah, basically they've seen how the 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 Democratic and Green parties have completely turned their back on all of the reasonable positions that mm. the left has, has had, such as being against war. I'll, we'll look. Dig, uh, I'm going to dig a little deeper into the People's Party, but mm-hmm. let's hear the reasons. What are they saying uh, at this event? Uh, what do they want? What are their demands at the Rage Against War Machine? Yep. Demand. demand number two: negotiate peace. Which 
great idea yeah. because wow, so many. It, it's been what diplomacy do politicians don't do that. Yeah, it's been wild to see like the, so the people actually in a position to talk about whether they will talk about peace are like unless you meet these demands, I will not even discuss the issue mm-hmm. when they are obviously the demands that you know are absolute deal breakers for the other side. Whereas, like. I hate to point this out, but I'm on the same side as Henry friggin' Kissinger on this one. There are so many people uh, on the outside of this, they're like, hey, hey, guys, guys, let's not destroy the world while we're doing the grift, eh? <sighs> like, yeah, negotiate for peace. And one of the most disappointing things about this is that Switzerland, which would be positioned ideally to do this, has already picked a side and, yeah. made, and pulled themselves out of the out mm-hmm. of the running for it. Sad. Yeah, incredibly. After sad. how many decades of being neutral? After uh, they they were the they were a great exception to the rest of Europe in all of its foibles. Right, like they 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 were neutral. They had sound money until the nineties. Yeah. They were the last holdout on on not having a fiat currency system. And how the mighty have fallen. Look at you now. The time where we needed you to save the world and. You've become just as corrupt as all the yep. ones around you. Surprise. Yeah. So, yeah, number two, uh, negotiate peace. Number three, stop the war inflation. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think we can all agree Good on idea. that one. Let's stop all the inflation while we're at it. Uh, again, yeah. yeah, it would be better to stop all the wars. It would be better to stop all the inflation. But at least we can all kind of agree on this one, right, guys? Can, can we so. agree on this I'm, right here? I'm we think. can. Yeah, here we uh, can. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I've got the, the libertarians and voluntarists, but like, hey, we can we can get all of the other halfway reasonable people to go, yeah, this is nonsense right here. Right, yeah. How, how many more, uh, you know, dollars on top of the price of eggs are you willing to pay to drop more bombs, uh, you know, in Russia or Ukraine? Yeah. Right? None. Zero. Zero. Yeah. I'm not willing to do any of it. Yep. Now, at this point, I will say that it starts getting like kind of reach for the starsy, in my opinion. Like, uh, okay, let's do it. I mean, go all the way. All right, Ask for four. the best that you can get. Number four, disband NATO. Hell yeah! Yep. I'm I'm all for it. It would be nice. I think you're starting to reach here, but the the existence of this thing that it founded because of the uh, the USSR. Okay, that was its and job. And they're gone. That was its job. There's no more USSR. Okay, Disbanded. shut it down, guys. And like you could have like you could have kept it together and not had this massive war just powder keg waiting to explode if you had just accepted Russia when they asked you for membership. Mm-hmm. Now I know that what that's kind of funny cuz like haha we we formed to fight you and you're asking to join the club but like if you were actually doing what you claimed to do, then you would have welcomed them in with open arms yeah. because it would have made the world more peaceful. That's so not what their goal just, is. So just disband it. Just th- this whole alliance between uh, the European Union and uh, and America and somehow Japan is part of NATO now, mm. which I don't get at all. <laughs> what with it being the North Atlantic <laughs> Trade Organization. That was North American Treaty. No, no, North Atlantic. Uh, yeah, because that's the thing. It's the whole uh, uh, Britain, America, European Union thing. But yeah, just disband it, guys. It's the, it's it's as bad as the USSR that it was trying to fight, and it is slowly but surely conquering and colonizing the entire planet. And it's a perfect illustration of how 
when a government agency, even if it's multi-government, is coming together creating something themselves, uh, is created for a purpose. That once the purpose is fulfilled, the agency continues. Yeah. And oh, yeah. all it does is justify or seek to justify its existence. Yeah. And keep getting Organi- bigger. Yeah. Organizations want to survive, and there's nothing more permanent than a temporary government program. We're going to continue here, and you can share your thoughts with us. The number is 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live's live Saturday show. Saturday episode, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live is brought to you by listeners like you. Uh, people like Flipstarter.me, who is a Free Talk Live supporter, uh, one of the newer supporters of our AMPS program. Flipstarter.me is a platinum level supporter, which Ooh, means that nice. uh, that person is doing 25 bucks a month to thanks, the AMPS man. program. Really appreciate that. That's five times what we ask. We only ask for five bucks a month. So thank you for going above and beyond. And you can join uh, him, I believe it's him, at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. And that helps us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. As I've said, uh, since we started this new format this year, which has been over a month now, by the way, that we've been doing this new format yeah. with fewer breaks, uh, two fewer breaks every single hour. It's been absolutely great. And as I've said, if we don't ever have another advertiser, I'm totally fine with that. I, I would be totally happy to be a completely listener-supported uh, broadcast. That would be amazing. We're not there yet, but we could be there if enough people were to go to amps.freetalklive.com. And join for five bucks a month. You get some perks too. You get access to the Amps Only podcast with the full radio show that doesn't have recorded commercials in it. Uh, so just go to go to amps.freetalklive.com. You can get signed up there. Yeah, there. There is something beautiful about the model being not to get people's ears in front of advertisers, yeah. but to deliver the best information and entertainment that we can to people. That'd be great. Uh, let's go to Bad Slave on the line in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. And then we're, we're going to continue with the Rage Against the War Machine demands, a list of demands for this event coming up in a couple weeks. Go ahead, Bad Slave. All right, great. Um I uh, appreciate you guys taking my call. Sure. I want to just say that um, my knowledge of uh, Scott Ritter uh, is, wasn't he like a UN envoy uh, that worked on, you know, eliminating nuclear uh you know, weapons. Yeah, good memory, uh, bad slave. I did not remember the name when I first heard it, but once uh, I looked at the speakers list here at RageAgainstWar.com, it says he is a former U.S. Marine Corps intelligence officer and U.N. weapons inspector, and that's where, I, that's where I've heard his name in the past is in reference to the U.N. weapons inspecting job that he had. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, that doesn't sound terrible i don't you know i i and i can't the the minute that uh that some federal entity is claiming uh you know uh uh, child porn or whatever you know i think that they're full of crapola oh is that uh, what they're saying about him wasn't that what uh 
Isn't that what nobody? Uh, child said abuse is uh, is what he was saying. Well, okay, child abuse. Uh, yeah, uh, that that. So so has he so been convicted of this, not... or has he been accused of it? Well, I, you know that that's the thing is that uh, accusations come cheap. Look at what mm-hmm. happened to you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I just. Um, I, I don't trust anything that that comes from D.C. Uh, or or the, the you know uh, the attorney general or uh, uh, you know FBI CIA all of those people are 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 raging liars. Well, doesn't Scott Ritter come from D.C.? I don't know. I don't know what he's been up to in the last, God, how many decades? I, I, hmm. to be honest with you, do, do you do we have any kind of run up of his? Uh, According to activity? Wikipedia, he was investigated in two thousand and one and two thousand and nine in regards to ostensible sex crimes, quote unquote. The, the Guardian. Uh, posted something in 2011. Former UN weapons inspector found guilty in online sex case. Scott Ritter, chief inspector in Iraq in the 90s. Yeah, apparently he attempted in, they alleged in 2001, he attempted to set up a meeting with an undercover police officer posing as a 16 year old girl. And yeah, was... see, I, I don't believe any of that stuff because they, you know, that you, you, you know, get on the web and somebody's pretending to be uh you know a teenager and uh, you know the next thing you 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 know why would you not assume that it was a cop (laughs) well apparently he was uh convicted oh he rejected a plea bargain in the 2011 case it looks like jury convicted him of six charges and got convicted served a sentence of one and a half to five and a half years in prison yeah well they took they just convicted uh, Ian, too, didn't they? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, juries will convict uh, you know, a ham sandwich. Thank you, Bad Slave, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160. Again, I don't see any problem with having this guy speak at this event. I mean, he's he's got a position. He's has he's had some experience. And he's you know, if you don't want to see him speak, I don't know. Yeah, don't listen to him. Don't, yeah, there's plenty of other people. Talk to people or talk, whatever. Gonna be around. Or whatever. There's going to be a lot of people there. You can just talk to them. Yeah. Whatever. And uh, I think that having a variety of views is going to be more helpful than it is harmful. So if this guy is coming from a closer association with the war machine and saying, hey, we really need to stop this, uh, I'm all for you adding your voice to the people who are saying we need to stop all of the wars. Uh, So we're going to continue here with the Rage Against War. It's RageAgainstWar.com, the Rage Against the War Machine protest it's going to be happening in Washington, D.C. on the 19th of this month. So we're about two weeks away from that. Uh, we've gone through the list so far of their demands. This is a list uh, coalition put together by the Libertarian Party at the national level, as well as the forward or sorry, the People's Party, I think it is. Yeah, the, the People's Party, which we'll talk about them in a little bit. But so far, we've been through one, not one more penny for war in Ukraine Two, negotiate peace. Three, stop the war inflation. And then four, a biggie, disband NATO. We'll go on to number five. Peakless, what do you got? Number five, 
global nuclear de-escalation, which I'm all Support. for. Yeah, I, I, I still see it as like that. That is going to be tough. But, sure it is. Man, it is. To get their psychopaths to take their hands off the buttons and then, you know, dis- dissemble these weapons and yeah. neutralize them, that's a huge process. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've said several times that one of the nice things about being born when I was is that the hu- is that humankind already made the decision not to murder itself. Like, for all of our time immemorial, it was just completely impossible to murder the entire species all at once. And then nuclear weapons happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had the Cold War. We had these incredibly close nuclear tensions between the USSR and the USA. And at the end of the day, we didn't do it. We didn't blow up. We didn't blow up so many of these things that they launched enough dust into the air to block the sun and kill us all. That did not happen. Humanity chose to survive and boy we had some really really close calls Mm -hmm. where like the orders were given and at some point they stopped one of which went all the way right down to the soldier in the ussr with the finger on the button and he refused to do it Mm. and faced a court martial for his trouble wow but he saved humankind that day and so i loved the fact that we had decided not to kill ourselves as a species so let's just go ahead and finish that job, yeah. finalize it, and say, okay, you know what? We're okay with human beings. Uh, uh, for all of our foibles, we can go ahead and continue existing in the world. So let's let's do number five here, and let's de- let's de-escalate global nuclear power. All right. Instead, of course, what's happening right now is uh, Vladimir Putin and the Ukraine situation yeah. is escalating now yeah. that they're sending tanks over to Ukraine. The German and U.S. tanks are uh, going to be inbound at some point. It's and just another wang-waving contest between yeah. the rulers. Yeah, it is, as long as the wang doesn't hit the big red button well, I mean, on the it's, desk. It's possible. Mm. Yep. Yay, German tanks defending Nazis against Russia. Because <laughs> we haven't done that yet. Yeah. Anywho. Number six. Uh, they are proposing, by the way, to adopt a no first strike nuclear policy, draw down nuclear weapons worldwide. That's what they're asking to have happen. Number six, slash the Pentagon budget. Which, yeah, great. great. Wonderful idea. Because... Every time we even find out about what they're doing, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Again, they could have just stopped at the word Pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> Slash the Pentagon. Just be done with it. Get rid of it all together. You That'd know, great. that would be nice. I call it the pentagram. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just it's because true. of its evil connotation. You know, there is no other uh, source of human sacrifice and blood sacrifice ritual quite like the pentagram. Nothing yeah. on that si- on that size, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Number seven, abolish the CIA. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd oh, like to hear the, the paragraph because uh, they, they do put a little bit in there as far as what are they what are they proposing exactly? Do you want to share that? or um, I? I think your machine's going to work right a lot here. better at that than mine. So they say half of the federal discretionary budget goes to the Pentagon. The military budget is $857 billion <laughs> per year. Almost a trillion. And the Pentagon just... But the government doesn't have any money for anything. The Pentagon just failed its fifth straight audit. Yeah, of course. Fifth straight audit. It's never going to pass. That's the thing. 
it doesn't matter, right? I would be like surprised. they keep failing. It doesn't matter that they keep failing. They keep getting paid more and more and more. I would be surprised if you went back throughout the history of the United States government and found any year in which they did not fail. Yeah, I don't know. And I would be performed surprised. an audit. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say I don't know for how many years they've been performing these. It well, doesn't matter because they I, they would have failed anyway. That is what they do. There's always missing billions or trillions or whatever. They over fail time. a just a fiduciary cost benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. If all, all you out there who know what a cost benefit analysis is, if you were to take that and point it at government and do a cost benefit analysis, it would fail every time. Every time. Well, you're just not making the same assumptions that they do. So they make the assumption that if they didn't have this military, then you couldn't own anything at all. The ends do not justify the means, period. The Pentagon can only account for 39% of its $3.5 <laughs> trillion dollars in assets. Whoopsies. <laughs> Where'd they go? I, I, just, I don't know what happened. Well, we know where like something like a third of the money went. Yep. <laughs> Cut the military budget in half is what they're proposing here and return those funds to the American people. Well, hey, if you cut it in half and they keep track of the same amount, they'll have more than 50% accounted for. <laughs> <laughs> like, job done. Yeah. I mean, it's not a pass, still not but a pass, like, yeah. it's, it's more passed than failed. It's still an F, but not abysmal. All right, next one. All right, next one. Abolish the CIA and military industrial deep state. Yeah, all right. They are oh, digging deep that, here. That's that good. is... Just impossible, but I appreciate the effort. Like, am, as far as I can tell, the CIA runs everything. Mm-hmm. I am just flattered that they use the word abolish in any of these demands. Yeah, that's a good mm. point. I, that is great. That is fantastic that the word abolish is coming up in you know some sort of a national discourse about mm-hmm. ending war. Yep. Yes, please, let us abolish. The more abolishment of mm-hmm. the organization, even the pieces of the organization of government, uh, the better humanity will become. Yeah, absolutely. The CIA and Deep State are an unelected permanent government of intelligence agencies that run our country outside of constitutional and democratic control. They surveil Americans, manipulate the media, curtail free speech, blackmail politicians, infiltrate activist organizations, torture people, overthrow governments, and assassinated President John F. Kennedy. Abolish the CIA and Deep State and restore a government of, by, and for the people. That last part's never going to happen. But, uh, well, you they're know. assuming that there, first of all, ever was a government that yeah. was of, for, and by the people to restore. There wasn't. Yeah. Well, I, I think that if you clarify your goals like that, it's the first step in actually achieving them. Yeah, it's true. You do have to ask for what you want. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got to put it out there mm-hmm. into the universe. Well, and and that's the thing where like. So first off, I'd like to point out that that's all the things that we know about the CIA. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We now we know for a fact that what we don't know about them is way more than what we do know about Probably them. Probably way what worse. We do know about them includes oh you you wanted to stop us well we're you're what the president of the United States. Okay, well, we'll just get uh, we'll get big oil to pay the mafia to take you out. Sure, easy peasy. So, like this idea that we have a, a an elected government, it's patently absurd. Hasn't it's been that illusion. way in my lifetime and long before it. Well, they have elections. They do, but they choose who runs in the elections. Yeah, yeah, yep. And right. you, and if they step out of line, pop goes your head. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, they have all the information they need on Joe Biden. Right? Oh, yeah. Now, and it's probably a lot uglier than what oh, Hunter's yeah. been caught doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's this is the stuff we know about. Mm-hmm. This is what they slipped up. Now, what they slipped up about is... Oh my God, so dirty. Mm-hmm. And and one of the reasons that all of this is happening is that our entire political apparatus has uh, has Ukraine as its money launderer. So like all of these corrupt deals, at some point or another, they are going to step foot in Ukraine. So they can't have the information coming out about what happens in Ukraine because it implicates everyone in America who is currently in power. So if Russia were to somehow take over Ukraine completely and get access to all these files, they would release all of the dirt on everyone who's in power in America. So that's why it's so uh, important to them. Yeah, I mean, the the parts that we know about are things like uh, Burisma hiring Hunter Biden. I think not so much from his crackhead expertise. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, things like... Um, you know, when Biden brags about the fact that uh, he got the inspector fired, uh, I mean, these are the things that we know. Uh, the the, the uh, gain-of-function research that they're doing in their bio labs. These are the things that we know is happening in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. How would one know if their government is run of, for, and by the people? Uh, well, I mean, you could argue that at least in New Hampshire, you can look at the state representatives and you can see that they're pretty much your, your neighbors. I mean, that that's, that's pretty verifiable. Okay. So there's so 400 that, of them here. That's getting close to what I'm sort of working towards, yeah. which is 100% transparency. Like sure. I, yeah. you, anybody who is, uh, you know, we'll call them a citizen, whatever you want to call of whatever this you know, of and for and by the people government is, should be able to scrutinize the government at any level they wish. They should be looking, they should be able to look into all of their records. Right. There should be zero secrets about anything ever, period. The fact that that is not the case right now should be highly illustrative to you, the listener. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, okay, this company is run by this guy. Well, how do we know? Well, he gets all the information about what they're doing. And then when he tells them to do stuff, they do it. Yeah. Also, there would be a mechanism for us to get rid of underperforming uh, either uh, people, like whoever's in charge, or complete units of government, uh, complete departments, all that kind of stuff. There'd be mechanisms for that. Uh, let's see. What else would there be? Oh, there would be a, you'd be able to opt out. Yeah. You'd be able to be, I, I choose not to participate. And that you'd would be, be able a to huge do such so. change, yeah. right? So the fact that these things don't exist should bother you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do think that the idea of voluntary association is really starting to catch on at this point. I hope so. Yeah. What's the evidence for it? Well, uh, for example, like uh, figures that I wouldn't really expect to be on that side. Uh, for example, uh, uh, Jordan Peterson is having a is. Uh, creating an international coalition and one of the things that he was talking about is is very strictly and specifically that that it, your association be voluntary okay which i mean and he's like a conservative guy yeah right? he's he's a conservative guy he thinks government is necessary mm. but he realizes that the difference between a competent and well-functioning government and a and a tyrannical government is whether or not they are as he puts it predicated on power 
So if you if you are getting your way through power, through the exercise of force and threat, then you are tyrannical and you are you're not doing your job. Whereas if you're actually competent, then you'll get things done and you won't be as be a tyrant. And how do we get there? Well, it has to be voluntary. Which it's it's amazing to see that because it's like, oh, you're so close to realizing yeah. that if it's voluntary, it's a different organization than government. Right. Yeah, it is. That's the key difference. Yeah, that's that's it. Government is a monopoly on force. Yeah. And, and that's you can't it, opt out. All of humanity is just on the edge of this understanding where we know what happens when you get a monopoly. Yeah. We know what, this is why we don't have monopolies in grocery stores. Sure. This is why we don't have monopolies in fuel. This is why we don't have monopolies in all of these areas of our life. And, and, and it, yet. And it bears repeating that you are subjected to, without any sort of voluntarism involved, you are subjected to... Whatever government happens to rule over the particular plot of land in which you're born. Yeah. And that well, is, that's horrible. Like, you, you don't get any choice in the type of, like, let's just say everybody just accepted that governments were a thing. Why should you not have any choice mm. in the type of government you are subjected to? Well, that, and, that's the biggest farce of all. Well, and the problem uh, in addition to that. So when you have a government that is as big and as powerful as the United States, you will either be subject to their laws directly because you were born in their their claimed spots of land or you'll be subject to their disastrous foreign policy. Yeah. So they might just send a drone up your left nostril because they feel like it yeah. because you weren't born on the right spot of land. And this is the uh, the the genesis of of immigration, other than people just wanting to move to different places, right? For whatever reasons, right? Outside of, but like governments are uh, forcing people to flee their homes because of their policies. Whether it's people in the U.S. fleeing because of the policies, or people from other countries fleeing to the U.S. because of their government policies, mm -hmm. governments are at the root of this type of a thing and it's not until these organizations are eliminated that we mm -hmm. can have peaceful and voluntary cooperation with people around the globe mm -hmm. yeah i mean a lot of people will talk about well if you if the military wasn't there then you'd be speaking chinese do you want to do you want to be obeying uh do you want to be obeying china and i thought about this for a second what i realized very simply is that the u.s is china driving the speed limit in just the same way as the Republicans or the Democrats driving the speed limit. Like, it's all going in the same direction, sure. yep. just at different rates. And that's that's absurd. I want to go in the exact opposite direction. So it doesn't matter to me if the guy who wants to get there fast or the guy who wants to get there slow is telling me what to do. I'm not going to do what you tell me because I'm going the other way, guys. Indeed. Number eight on the list of demands from Rage Against the War Machine. Abolish war and empire. We get two abolishes? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, a big I'm, one. I'm liking number eight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there goes your criticism of number one, right? <laughs> <laughs> what was the full thing? Huh? What, what was, was the number uh, eight? Yeah. Uh, well, abolish can, war and it. Oh, the uh, the paragraph it. under it. So it's war and empire subjugate billions of people around the world to enrich a small group of elites. 
In just the past two decades, the U.S. has waged and backed wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, Palestine, Yemen, Ukraine, and other countries. End all U.S. wars and regime change. Stop all military aid to other countries. End drone strikes. Close all U.S. military bases abroad. That's a big one. The libertarians, yes. libertarians, Ron Paul, they've been advocating for that for decades. Uh, bring all U.S. troops home. And if you, by the way, if you do that, you can easily slash the military budget by half, which oh, yeah. is their other proposal uh, earlier. Bring the troops home. Build a world that guarantees every person freedom from war and empire in place of the collapsing U.S. hegemonic world order. Big proposal. Absolute Huge. support. Well too. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm really glad that the Libertarian Party is. I, I was just, I thought, oh, yeah, there's just one of, you know, a dozen organizations. No, they're one of the two leading organizations mm-hmm. behind this particular event. So kudos to them for bringing the principle to the table. Here. And, and one of the things I really appreciate about that. So the People's Party has basically formed because of the betrayal of the Democrats to their base. You mean how the Democrats have gone full on war? Yes, yeah. have gone full on war, full on authoritarian, have gone completely crazy, embracing values that none of their constituency have, but won't dare admit it. So that's why that was formed, and the Libertarian Party generally gets accused of being on the right. So you have these alternatives from both sides coming together. On Two this. more items on this list. We're going to continue it coming up here in hour number three on this live Saturday edition. If you want to weigh in on the end to the warmongering, you can join us here on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Saturday episode, the number for you to join us is 603-283-6160. We're talking about ending war, ending the U.S. military empire around the planet. That is one of the demands that is being made by an upcoming protest. It's going to be happening in about two weeks. guessing that's a Sunday. Yeah, the 19th uh, is a Sunday in Washington, D.C., it's called Rage Against the War Machine at RageAgainstWar.com. We've been going through their list of 10 demands. We're going to continue that with you in the studio tonight, though. It's Ian. Speakless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass is here. Before we do, though, we're going to the phones here and talking to Sarah in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Oh, yes, sir. Uh-oh. I want to bring the, uh, the feet lit and cold. There was a big wreck on coal and they're always speeding uh so they actually knocked a side of uh an apartment complex they look like it's demolished like whole side of the bedroom so and Oof. they uh this is a one way and they think that it's a freeway just because it's two street lanes going one way mm-hmm. and um so they've done this before they knocked out houses walls on these streets before and uh are you with me? And this is yeah, we're right here. Of, You're going to tell me that cameras are going to solve this problem? Well, because they go out there and saw it off in broad daylight. I, I don't know how that's going to help either. They sawed off the cameras in broad daylight? Yeah, well, somebody filmed it. Um, yeah, they, they that's had pretty a awesome. on the lead and coal, feeding cameras. And, um, Wait, so did Sarah do this? No, she feet. supports the cameras. Oh. No, she's saying some people saw it off the cameras, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, kudos to them. Saw, hacksaw. 
Cool. Balls. Yeah, How do you know? Did you go out and see Can them? I donate to these guys? Well, you know what? I, somebody, I was listening to the calling show, the local KKOB, and and then she said, I saw a guy sawing off a, red, uh, a, speed, a camera. She called in. That's like, like Cool Hand Luke level stuff, right? That's... All right, so Sarah, so, what do you think about know, war? I, I, do you think we should uh, end the war mongering and the uh, the occupation of the dozens, if not hundreds, of, of countries around the world? Or do you like war? Well, I mean, it it makes sense. You know, and then what I does? have a thing about Taiwan what makes and sense? Uh, what's the, Tibet, that it always belongs to China. I, I have no idea what they're talking about. They want to be independent. That's completely absurd. Like Hong Kong, Taiwan, you can't and leave Tibet, the communists. China. <laughs> why, why can't people be independent if they want to? Well, that, it's like you guys saying that you're going to be independent. I already am independent. So, so I mean, it's just it's just uh, it's part of like colonization. It's like trying to take over somebody's property, taking take taking over China's property by by doing that. And I, so, no wonder why wow. I own my own mental gymnastics right there. So by getting free of a government, I am stealing what is rightfully theirs. Well, the thing is that it's, uh, okay, it's like somebody moving into your backyard and pitching a tent and said, that's my property. It's kind of like the same thing. That's how China feels when Tibet. China doesn't have feelings. You know, China's a a nation state. It is a concept. That's too complicated to think about, Ian. It doesn't have feelings. The people of Taiwan have feelings. Those people there who were born there, who go back for generations there, have feelings about being dominated by the Chinese government people. And I'm sorry, Ian, I can't talk about this right now because China's sad. (laughs) (laughs) But Sarah, did you say you're against war or you're for it? Because I'm not really clear. No, I, I, I am against war, and uh, I think that United States are the uh, the aggressors. You know how they always say that everybody else is a terrorist? Mm-hmm. But I've known that U.S. government and the the, mil- the military, they're the, we're the real terrorists. I agree wow. with you. I agree with you on that. Why can't you say the same thing about the Chinese government? Because well, as far as I was they're terrorizing China by doing that. You they're didn't answer my question. Why, if you, I, I agree with you that the U.S. government are terrorists. Okay, The U.S. military is engaging in terroristic activity all around the planet. Why can't you see that that is also true of Chinese government military when it comes to Taiwan? I don't. There's a couple of people like the maybe capitalists that want to join the capitalist system. I I think most of the people want to belong to China. I think it's all propaganda. So it's okay the if US the Chinese military uses bombs and tanks to force the people of Taiwan into their system. That's that's not war to you because you said you were anti-war just a few moments ago. Right, I'm anti-war, but. That's to me. That's but. invading China. You know what I mean? It's just a couple of people. A couple Who's of, invading uh, China? The U.S. capitalist government that want to side about with that. the Taiwanese. I don't, we're not me, talking about like, that. We're like talking the, about the the question of should Taiwan be free to do what they want? 
ignore the fact that the U.S. government has an opinion uh, about that particular situation. We're just looking at the people of Taiwan and the people of China and the governments, the government people of those areas and the Taiwanese people, if they want to do their own thing, similar with Hong Kong, if Hong Kong wants to do their own thing, the people of Hong Kong want to do their own thing, you're saying it's okay for the Chinese government to use bombs and tanks to, to stop them? Well, I mean, I, I think I think that's the way it works. It's like all the you're okay like with it. You though. guys want to break away. You're okay with that. It's not gonna, doesn't mean that you're gonna you're gonna get what you want. Just you're okay with it though. I just want to be clear. To. You're fine with that. You think that's a good solution? Well, yeah, I do. Think okay, so. you're not anti-war. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, how you look at it. No, no, it's know, not how you I look mean, at it. If you're against war. You are against the use of bombs and military people and guns and shooting and, you know, explosions and sabotage and, you know, all of the things that these people do to use violence and force to force people into their way of doing things. You are against that if you are anti-war. You, madam, are not anti-war. You're only anti the government of the United States wars. You're fine with the Chinese wars. How about the Chinese uh, rounding up the Uyghurs and throwing them into uh, re-education camps? And taking their organs and selling them on the black market. Yep. Supposedly doing that too, yeah. I, I, I don't know about all that. You but, don't know about it? Well, um, why don't you look it up? Now that you have uh, internet at your house for the first time ever, why don't you look it up? You know what? I, I don't really believe that. It could be like a blown-up propaganda but, uh, what I You know don't believe it. They talk to actual human beings who have had their families... Uh, family members stolen from them. They've talked to some of them who've managed to escape, who've, who've had their released, organs removed, who've been released from these uh, these camps over time. And there are oh, I don't know if it's horrible. hundreds of thousands or whatever, but there's been a lot of people that have been locked up in these camps. But overall, you know, to me, the way that I look at it, it looks like that China is being aggressive. I just think that the war is necessary to defend their territory. Okay. Then the, stop the, calling yourself anti-war. United. You can have that opinion. Just stop calling yourself anti-war. You That's are not true. anti-war. Thank you for the call tonight. We continue here. Jamie's on the line in Alabama. You're on Free Talk Live, Jamie. Hey. Yeah, when well, you were discussing with Sarah, I'm literally against war. All right. Good. Nice. Yeah, of all kinds, because although it gave us freedom, but people killing people and all this crap, it it's no. That's enough of that already. Yeah, I heard you. I mean, did it give us freedom? Are you referring to the Revolutionary War when you say that? Is that what you mean? Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, it is hard to argue that uh, that, that there was some other way around that. I, I do understand the uh, the argument there that essentially those those chains had to be right. thrown off somehow. It, and I don't blame them for, for doing that. I mean, I always I do want to find a peaceful solution to everything. I think that is generally the, the way to go. But when there's men with guns around yeah, blowing is. your family away, you've got to do something. You've got to, you've got to act is in there? that moment. And if only they had been consistent and principled enough to let people pull away from them when they wanted to. Indeed. Jamie, was there anything else you wanted to share tonight? Yeah, it kind of reminds me way back when Hitler was doing all that bad stuff to the Jewish people. What reminds you of that? Well, I heard a, uh, I heard a Christian thing on a radio. It was telling it was the Jewish people was telling the survivor Jews were telling the stories about 
what happened at the camp and all that stuff, you know. They surrounded their little hospital and everything, killing off every Jewish families and all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what was it that reminded you of that? I'm sorry, I wasn't clear on what you were saying. Reminded you of what happened with the Nazis? Yeah, are you talking about uh, what China is doing with the Uyghurs? Yeah. Oh, okay. Killing yeah. off the Uyghur, the weak link. Gotcha. Jamie, thank you for the call tonight. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160. Uh, Peacles Mountaineer, you've been sharing with us the Rage Against War, uh, or the Rage Against the War Machine, which is a protest happening in Washington, D.C. on the 19th. So coming up in just over two weeks, Ron Paul will be speaking there. And a bunch of other uh, people, Tulsi Gabbard and many more. You can go to RageAgainstWar.com to see more details on the event, including their demands, the list of demands that we've been going through here so far. Uh, we've hit the list. There's 10 of them. We've, set, uh, we've gone through the first eight. Not one more penny for the war in Ukraine. Two, negotiate peace. Stop Number three, stop the war inflation. Four, disband NATO. Five, global nuclear de-escalation. Six, slash the Pentagon budget by half. Uh, seven, abolish the CIA and military-industrial deep state. Number eight, abolish war and empire. All okay. out. Yes. Right. And uh, number nine. Well, hold on. Uh, before we step yes. into that, I, I wanted to make another couple of notes on... Sure. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's really nice to see these paired together. So the uh, to end the, the NATO... And to end the empire. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love that they recognize the connection between war and empire here. Because, like, uh, one of the things that's happened in the modern world is, okay, you can no longer get away with uh, colonizing in the way that used to, that used to be done, you know, with uh, strong-arm colonization, as it were. But what you can get away with is colonization through debt, and there was a, a really good article in uh, uh, Bitcoin Magazine uh, by Alex Gladstein about the way that the IMF and World Bank would make these loans to these countries in exchange for uh, for making changes in their in the way that their country operates. Yeah. That just it, it just turns them into uh, uh, slave uh, states. Yeah. Yeah. So. So on the one hand, and that's you have, been going on for decades. Oh yeah, yeah, and exactly, and that's that is modern empire, and that is what NATO is doing to countries around the world: is empire and colonization, not through arms, but through subtler means of of debt. Because on the one hand, okay, now that you're in debt, like people think that giving loans to countries is a nice thing to do to them, and it mm, really isn't. No. Because I mean, especially when you're printing them up out of nowhere. But I mean, who in who has ever who who has ever been in debt could could believe that loans are a good thing? I mean, that's right? you become owned by right? those people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if I can just print up a loan out of nowhere and like, mm-hmm. okay, here's a loan for you to buy that car, and now I have this nice steady monthly income from you. Like, oh, what a great favor I've done for you yeah, there. That, that came out of thin air. Right. And you get to take the car back if right. the default happens. Exactly. Right. Like, hey, free car, free uh, monthly income from you. And uh, they, they do what's called structural adjustment, which means you have to completely change the way that your nation operates to just make you this way of extracting resources. Yeah. So, I, just, I just want to be clear for our listeners that when a bank loans you money, 
They're not loaning you money which they already possess. Correct. They're loaning you money which they create out of thin air. I know it sounds it's ridiculous. True. I know it sounds preposterous. I know Actually it sounds how it works. like like that can't possibly be, but no, it's true. Look it up. It is how it works. It's called every fractional loan, reserve every banking. bank every time. Uh, let's go to your phone calls here. Uh, we get somebody else on the line. What is your name? You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hello, caller. Going once. Caller on the line. Going twice. Uh, let's continue here. We actually have, I believe, Jerome is with us here from South Carolina. Jerome, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, is, is Rupert Murdoch senile? I don't know. I know he's like in what, 70s, 80s? I've never met him. Senile? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Well, I've never met Biden, but I can tell you he's seen a house. I've never even seen Rupert Murdoch speak before. I mean, I know he's like the Fox News guy or whatever. He owns Fox. The, the only thing I have to say about Rupert Murdoch is what a name, right? Who the heck is named Rupert, Rupert. Murdoch? Some That's rich guy. Yeah. That's you who. Know, like, what about him, Jerome? Well, why do you why are you calling about him? Well, he's going to pay Tom Brady three hundred seventy five million just to talk about football. You know, and what? then I just watched. I saw something else where. His ex-wife, Jerry Hall, he was mad to her for like about five minutes, I guess. Yeah, this Big isn't Jack Sports Center, Jerome. Come on. Huh? Well, what's he hiring Big Tom Jack Brady is... to do exactly? He's going to be a TV to host or something? About football, as, a, as a football analyst. You uh... didn't hear about that? No, dude, I don't pay any well, attention to sports well, I know. news. So, so the thing is, though, you have to understand exactly how beloved Tom Brady is. Mm. There are people who will tour. $375 million? All right. Well, look. I mean, it's apparently it's a. Yeah. I, I just looked it up. It's a ten-year deal, so it's thirty-seven and a half. You know, thirty-seven and a half million per year, which is still, you know, that's still a lot, but it's not as big as you thought it was. But like, right? I mean, oh, going geez. out and hiring somebody with vast experience in the subject in which they want this guy to talk about, it'd be like hi- hiring. Family? It'd be like hiring Michael Jordan to talk about basketball. Hey, like, of course, you you're going to do that. Family? What? Did you grow up in a rich no, family? I did not. No, I, I was well, why dirt poor. $375 million is a lot of money. It and is I a lot of money. saying it's not. I just told you that it's a 10-year deal, so it's only $37.5 million, which is still a lot of money, but it's not out of the you know the realm well, of Jerome, what they pay these people. Let, let, let me explain to you what goes into the thinking on whether or not you hire someone for an enormous sum like this. So they do a calculation on how much they're going to get from having him, how much they're going to get from advertisers, from people watching Tom Brady. So they 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 do their best guess on like, okay, Tom Brady is a beloved figure. How many eyeballs are we going to get on this show because we have him as a speaker for it? And they make sure that that is more than they're giving him. I'm still not buying it. Hey, by the way, here's what you do, you uh, uh, Jerome. Before you go on, here's what yeah. you do. If yeah. you're not buying Fox. it, don't watch Fox. <laughs> yeah. okay. Don't watch Tom Brady. You have the choice. You got to hey, do. Fox. Turn off your TV. Hey, not only that, he's paying Mick Jagger's ex old lady Jerry Hall, who he was married to for like about five minutes. I just looked up to the divorce settlement. Why, why does know? this have any it's meaning at all to you, Jerome? Three hundred and five million dollars. These, these people have no effect on your life whatsoever. <laughs> I know that. I, I didn't know, know this person existed until you just said it, and I still don't care. Just as an example, according to NYPost.com, which I believe is Rupert Murdoch owned, uh, it does point out here that ESPN apparently did purchase, or maybe it was Fox, they did yeah, pay for Fox. this other guy named Joe Buck, who I've never heard of before. Oh, he's half of Buckman. Yeah, That's Joe Buck and ESPN Troy Aikman. Now. Buck yeah. was uh, $33.5 per year. 
So yeah, like 37 yeah. million up from 33 million. I mean, this is yeah. just this is like an inflation adjustment basically. I mean, this is, you know, this yeah. is par for the course for getting a big star to sit in front of a camera for 10 years you know the next 10 years of his life this is a huge commitment yeah i mean this is a celebrity he gets paid millions of dollars this can't be new to you jerome well i was listening to y'all talk about you know the influence that people have in this country and everything mm-hmm. and how ridiculous it is well this this is like ridiculous to me okay this is just like ridiculous because i don't think they're worth that kind of money Okay. Just to talk about stuff. Well, that's the thing. It doesn't matter what you think. You're not running a, t- a television broadcast network. Yeah. You're, You're not televising these right. sports events. They could hire you for a lot less, no, and you might be better at it. I don't know, but uh, you, no. know, you don't have the name recognition. Well, and something that might well. be going into their thinking on this is they are fighting for market share because people are tuning out of television left and right. Oh, yeah. But... Yes. They they do know that they've still got a pretty good draw when it comes to sports. So I think that they are fighting tooth and nail to try and hold on and claw back whatever they can of, of what used to be an unquestionable media empire. So the the fact that they were paying him, you know, 10 times as much as they used to pay somebody is not that big a surprise when you think that, oh, man, people love this guy. There are so many people who would never watch this sports center. They would just watch it over here or they wouldn't watch it at all. But they love this guy so much they're going to watch they're going to watch television again instead of going on the Internet and watching it there or just not watching at all. Yeah. In fact, they're not going to hire me. They're not going to hire me because I'm ugly. I'm not that good. I'm not that good. There's a lot of reasons not, they're not going to hire you for that. <laughs> well, I mean, look, the fact yeah. is a lot of these guys in sports didn't get hired for their looks. I mean, a lot of the guys in sports, they got hired for their athletic ability, right? I mean, in fairness, I think that looks have a fair amount to do with uh, the uh, how beloved Tom Brady is. He may be the exception, but there's plenty of guys that got hired in sports because they're oh, good yeah. athletes. And they get hired on these, uh, you know, John Madden, not a ha- not a handsome man, okay? Right, right. Uh, but yeah. he was a host Rap, of boom, the NFL. Huh? Boom, Rap, boom. Oh, you're in, you're trying, to, trying to be John Madden. Uh, but he got hired because he knows the game yeah. and he can talk and it is, you know, right. he, he was here, good for the job. Jerome, I'll, I'll do a Madden impression for you. That Jerome, <laughs> he is a caller, and this is a radio program. That's <laughs> true. I, I got to ask say football question, somewhere though. in the sentence. Though. But he got. By the way, it it happened to be in the story here. They brought up Madden in the story from the New York Post. He was getting paid eight million a year, but yeah. this was in the nineteen nineties. That right. was three Trump decades changed. ago. It's, no, 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 no. It's I, not I chump change, sport. Jerome. Eight million dollars in the nineteen nineties was a lot of money. Oh, I that's, thought he said Trump yeah. change. That's thirty years <laughs> ago. Well, that that works too. Anyway, but uh, I'm just wondering where does like. Being able to play sports make you a damn genius. Where did that start to happen? It doesn't, especially getting knocked in the head as often as some of those guys do. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does give you familiarity with the game, though. But they know the game. Yeah, yeah that's true. Like I, I wouldn't trust him. I, I, I sure as heck wouldn't trust him for like advice on uh, investing in cryptocurrency. Jerome, are you anti-war? Oh, good question. Absolutely. Okay, good. Absolutely. Uh, okay, I'm a good. Veteran, That's awesome. And I'm a veteran. We agree. We agree with you on that one. Uh, in fact, we were yeah. just talking about the protest that's going to be going on up in D.C. on the 19th called Rage Against War. And thank you, Jerome, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, I did want to add in, though, to the point you were making, People's mm-hmm. Mountaineer, 
They are absolutely desperate to keep people's eyes on television. YouTube bid out DirecTV $2 billion a year for NFL Sunday Ticket. So Sunday Ticket used to be owned by... Uh, it was a DirecTV. You could only get it via satellite. And for years, that has been a complaint of your viewers because you could only get that particular subscription through satellite. That's going to end in the next season starting yeah. at the end of this it's year. It's been like 25 years or something like that. End of an era. Yeah. yeah, and there was another one too. I forget if it was Amazon. I think Amazon snatched up the Thursday games from NBC or something like that. So big changes are coming to uh, NFL. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. If you want to join the show, live Saturday edition, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian Pinkless here and Captain Kickass here in the studio. You can join us online anytime you want at freetalklive.com. We have a variety of features there. And if you want uh, to help me out a little bit, I have a sentencing coming up in April, about two months and change away from now. Uh, And there's going to be a judge who's going to be deciding whether or not I spend upwards of 20 years in prison for completely victimless crimes, so-called crimes that uh, involve Bitcoin. It's a bunch of horse crap. Yeah, unfortunately, the jury believed the horse crap from the prosecution and uh, convicted me on all the eight jury's counts. dumb. You can go to the uh, Crypto6 site if you want to learn more about the case at uh, thecrypto6.com. But if you would like to write a letter to the judge in this case, there's instructions on how to do that at letters.freetalklive.com. You can go there. It will. It's not going to tell you what to write, but you know, just kind of give you the basics of you should talk a little bit about yourself and like you know why you, what your history is and like what you, why you matter that kind of thing, and then explain why you think that uh, I have been helpful to you or to the community and why you don't think I should go into a cage as a result of these convictions. So if you uh, don't mind helping me out, uh, the sooner you can get that letter over, the better. Time is of the essence. You can go to letters.freetalklive.com. As we go to your phone calls, we still have two more items on the Rage Against War, uh, the Rage Against the War Machine site, which is rageagainstwar.com. Their demands that they're making. We'll get to the remaining two here. But first, we have James in Maine. You're on Free Talk Live. Hi, I just want to call and say that I'm pro-war because the science is undisputed. <laughs> okay, what does that mean? The, the science? Are you talking about Fauci? Yeah, so how can we live in a world where Vladimir Putin is allowed to have weapons of mass destruction and massacre innocent civilians in the oil fields of Libya with chemical weapons? That's absolutely just outrageous. With a non-IMF banking system. Are you being facetious or do you actually believe this? Every study has proven this. Every peer-reviewed scientific study has proven this. Okay, yeah, he's being facetious. Proven proven what? (laughs) Has proven that we live in a world with an IMF banking system? I don't know why you'd need a study for that, but I'm sure they do show that. (laughs) Peer-reviewed. Well, it's a shame we didn't find someone who was really against war to call (laughs) into the show. Good try, James. I was like, is he a mercenary? I appreciate it. He hung up, by the way. Yeah, he hung up the Uh, phone. It was a good try. I mean, he was clearly reading a script as well. He'd scripted that one out. You know, 
he, he did his best. Yeah. And, and, Thank you for and trying. And he had us going for, for just for half a, moment. a second. Yeah, 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 for a moment. Which, I mean, honestly, how are you going to make the argument for war at this point? I don't know. It used to happen pretty often. Like, we were, we're on broadcast radio. We used to have the warmongers calling in all the time, and it's like, the phones have been dead on this issue tonight yeah and we're out we're still on the air yeah so like where are these people well and and that's the thing i mean in america like we have been very intimately aware of the fact that we are at war all over the place mm -hmm. all for of the time decades yeah. even if it's, it's unofficial and and gee do you know a bunch of freedom that's sh that's shared to the middle east no I don't know a bunch of freedom that's gotten shared with the Middle East. Do you think Americans have finally gotten tired of all the lies and have actually figured out that the government honestly, lies them into war every honestly, time? I really do. I think that right now people are struggling with the fact that they they basically have to reverse their worldview. Because when it comes to politics, people do not want complex theories. They want who's the good guy, mm -hmm. who's the bad guy, which team am I on? That's what people want. And at this point, it it's just gotten so difficult to believe that you are on the right side when you are standing with the United States federal government. Well, I think uh, the advent of the Internet, of course, helps information move. Right. Even yes. with as restricted as it is in some countries and all that kind of thing, there's, you know, all sorts of technological ways around Internet censorship by Tor. governments and mm -hmm. the VPNs the, and the all that kind router, of stuff. Yeah. So there, there's all sorts of that. And so I, I firmly believe that not just in the United States, I firmly believe that the world is discovering it's it's going through this period of cognitive dissonance, right, where it's discovering that, yes, the things that we already know. The organization known as government is evil. It's based on mm. coercion, and therefore it can be nothing but corrupt because it's based on a corrupt premise. Sure. Right? And and so I think that the world is slowly waking up to these things. Mm -hmm. I can tell you from personal experience that I was caught in the fog of statism. Mm -hmm. You know, I could probably be considered uh, previously uh, somewhat of a constitutionalist. Okay. Right? My 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 knee jerk reaction was well what does the document say right and right. he issued founding would come fathers up, founding mm -hmm. document you know kind of and yeah. that was because I was brought up in religious households who always pointed at the book the document right yeah. let's mm -hmm. go to the book yeah. what does the book say oh right. it says here in John five chapter fourteen that blah blah right so that mm -hmm. was my knee jerk reaction now coming out of the fog of statism into the realization that government is not only unnecessary but it's immoral yeah right? it it creates all of the largest evil in the world. All of it. The largest evils in the world, the largest murderer, the largest yeah. theft. Yeah, the, counterproductive. Is, is all done the by government. The largest pollution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all you of the it. bad things. The number one committer of the bad thing is always government, right? So once you realize that the organization type of government is evil, that does something to, like, your base as a person, something you've believed mm -hmm. all your life. I equate it to the adult version of being told that Santa Claus is not real. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're going to have yeah. a a physical and mental reaction to this realization. This is an awakening if you will 
that is unlike anything most adults are prepared to handle. That's right, yeah. Cognitive dissonance. And so there's this, and I believe that the world right now is in this sort of period where it's beginning to realize this stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's in this like, it's kind of fighting back a little Mm -hmm. bit. It's like, it doesn't want to wake up. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Oh, that's really horrible. Can't I just go back to the way it was, right? Yeah, and and two of the things that I think is really helping this along, number one, like systematically, they are showing that the government does not do what people believe it does. Right. Like they does believe, the opposite in a lot right, of cases. They believe that their their police are keeping the peace and keeping them safe. And They're story not. after story about police murdering people just keeps mm-hmm. coming through. They believe that the military is what's keeping them safe from invaders. It is not. And, every, and story after story about how it's not doing that, it's doing the exact opposite. It's, People believe that government is uh, distributing justice, and it may not be a perfect system, but it's the best that the and mm-hmm. and then they're actually seeing what happens in court, and it's like, oh my god, this is terrible. And the other thing, so like on the one hand, systematically disillusioning what people believe are the essential functions that it's that it is performing, and number two, it, they are seeing over and over and over again that it is covering things up. That, it, that the government itself is suppressing information yeah. and suppressing information, that it's suppressing the COVID information, mm-hmm. that it's suppressing Julian Assange, that it's suppressing uh, just one thing after another. And that's the thing. If you are suppressing information, then you're guilty. Now, there is a real fear that I'm sure is felt by most people when they start thinking about this kind of a thing. Uh, I think I was watching, uh, I was actually on a job. Right, so I was watching, I think, Loose Change or one one of these documentaries okay. uh, about uh, you know that was sort of freedom oriented and educating me on you know sort of what government is and how it's going about doing the things that it does, and so I was literally like sort of uh, you know violating the the contract of my job in doing this, and I remember watching this thing and just looking you know turning my head behind me making sure nobody was watching and thinking like oh my gosh i wonder if if the feds have watched me watch this on my computer and that kind of a thing there was a little bit of a a, A little paranoia a a little paranoia but like this is because government everybody already knows that government has all the guns they -hmm. have all of the surveillance right this isn't new news this is old news and the longer it goes on the more of this they get the more surveillance they get the more technology they get uh, the old former Soviet Russia, right, w- would just like be so jealous of mm-hmm, the sure. amount of surveillance that just the United States government has over their people, much less the amount of socialism it has created. So it has gone in the opposite direction of freedom. And so people have this very real fear that's been ingrained in them since they went to public school, since they turned on the television, that you should be afraid of government. When those red and blue lights go on behind you and the and the cop is going to pull you over, what do you feel? Oh, thank goodness. No, you don't no. feel that at all. <laughs> when you see a bunch of military people walking in formation down your street in your neighborhood, what do you feel? Do you feel like, it's oh, terrifying. thank God they're here? No, no you're like, oh, something must be going on. Oh, my gosh. Should I flee? Should I run? Mm-hmm. What should I do? You start having these sort of panic moments. And so that's what the world is going to have to deal with on an individual basis. Each individual is going to have to come through this process of mm-hmm. of waking up to the evil that is statism. But will they? I, I have hope. I appreciate so, that. So that's the thing. That's Look, great. one of two things is going to end this. Either we're going to launch enough nukes that we're all gone, 
or we're going to get over the idea that we have to systematize our violations and realize that we just have to stop violating the rules. I think that the answer to your question that you asked is yes. And I say that because the world has already gone through it for another topic, and that is the topic of overt slavery. Right, The world has come to the conclusion all around the globe that uh, taking 100% of the life effort of another human being is wrong. And it took a long time, took mm-hmm. you know, what, 100 years or something for yeah, like planet Earth to sort of come through that as a people. Now, will it? Hopefully, it won't take as long for people to come through that when it comes to statism, because we have we do have the information the the, the information yeah, superhighway, yeah. right? We have the power of information spreading quickly. Uh, so hopefully, and it can happen quickly, as we've seen with mm-hmm. you know the fall of Berlin Wall and uh, the fall of the Soviet Union and so on. And hopefully, because we have come through as as human beings, come through something similar to that, it can happen again. And one of the one of the things that we have that has never been done before is absolute proof of something that we believe governments have to be performing getting done better without government, and that's Bitcoin. So we mm-hmm. people believe that that a government must be responsible for the currency in order for it to exist, in order for there to be any kind Not of true. trade and stability and any of that. And we are seeing without a doubt that okay, look, this thing's here. It's valuable. People are trading for it. It's not going anywhere. Yep. And, it's and no government's involved at all. Let's go to the phones here. Uh, we got a call around the line. Uh, what is your name? You're on Free Talk Live. Caller, going once. Yes, hi. This is Shag. Shag, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Hey, um, just wanted to bring awareness to an anti-war protest, specifically the, the war in Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, taking place January 19th. Or February nineteenth in DC. Oh, okay. Oh, um, weird. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's a it's a coalition of uh, progressives and libertarians coming together to protest the terrible war and to advocate for the cessation of funding for it. Uh, we're just deal. teasing you, man. We're, we're just yeah, teasing we're... you. We've already been covering it here for like two hours. <laughs> I was hoping you'd let oh, him my... go on. No, I, know, I, I really want to hear like what you know. What is important to to people that are hearing about this? Yeah, how'd you find yeah, out about I actually, it? I was actually going to. Um, how did I find out about it? I think it was. I can't remember to be honest. Are you a libertarian? But I I listen. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I listen to you guys almost every single day. And I almost started this conversation saying, you might have already covered it tonight, but I'm really glad, I'm glad you have been talking about it. Cause I think this is well, the most important thing we're facing and, as a human race right now. So. And, and since you bring it up, look, if, if this is something that, that people care about, but they, they can't really go themselves. Hmm. Uh, I want to point out that uh, if you, if you go to the website to rageagainstwar.com, you can also donate to it. Oh, okay, great. Uh, yeah, we were actually going yeah. through their list of demands and uh, and everything. Are you planning on attending this, or just want to get the word out? I'm thinking I'm going to be able to. Yeah, okay. I might nice. try to. So. Oh, we just lost what you just um, said there. You said you might try to what? No, I was just saying I might try to see if other folks need a ride too. In oh yeah, area. I'm sure I they live do. In Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. you're still in Massachusetts, um, enemy enemy territory. I'm sorry to hear that. I know. I've been I've been trying to get up there right for like here, man. fourteen years, but you know, life yeah. Fourteen years, life it's not that far. Time, so. <laughs> it's like a half hour away or something. No, no, I just mean move up there, you know what I mean? Yeah, we got so, it. We got you. Man. Yeah. 
So what's it going to take? Yeah, what yeah, you, what's but, holding you back? Is it like family stuff or job yeah, or what? It was family stuff for the past few years, mm-hmm. financially, mainly at this point. And yeah, I've, I've, there is a part of me that's a little afraid because of all the federal attention on the whole thing. So, um, you know, that's a, that's an element. But there's the main, there's that the main fear I was just financial. talking about, right? Everybody yeah. has it. They have this embedded fear oh, yeah. of government and what's going to happen. You know, that's why yep. there, there's a whole bunch yep. of liberty oriented people who are like, well, as soon as New Hampshire secedes, then I'm going to move. Yeah, it's like, no, 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 no. Too late. Yeah. Yeah. No, for me, it's, it's really most importantly, I'd like to be around people who, you know, understand uh, non-aggression principle, understand, you know, human relations the way that you all seem to. So it's um, amazing, man. It really yeah. is, because yeah. like when you're That's just beautiful. about anywhere else, like you're the only one who knows this stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you get here, you can bounce ideas off of people who think about things yeah. in a reasonable and principled way. You don't have to and explain it, yourself fundamentally at every conversation. Yeah, and and, that can and then you can develop ideas because like there's a, right. there's just a cutoff point where where you can't develop it past that with people who can't get to that point. And, and I'd like to point out to you, man. It's driving distance to to where you're at. So if you need to get back down to your family or if you finally get, you know, too scared of the federal government, I mean, you can just drive back down. I just want to ask if if you're going to make it to Porkfest. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's been the past few years. Oh, okay. Sweet. Come and visit us. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah, I'd love to. Hey, if you do make it down... uh, I was going to say, if you, if you do make it down to this protest, feel free to give us a call and give us a report from uh, from on the ground, all right? Okay, we will do for sure. And again, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. didn't, uh, I didn't listen tonight. I guess. <laughs> sorry, man. Thanks. How dare you? Hey, you know, it's not a requirement that you have to listen to call in, but we definitely appreciate you calling, man. Thank you for uh, for sharing that tonight. Well, we believe that people yeah, who don't listen Thanks to us should all be put in jail. That's, that's, <laughs> what, we, that's what we're about here. Oh, let's a, let's continue here. Another caller. You're on the air. What's your name, caller? Hello. David calling from Kansas. Hey, David, you're on. You're on. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Well, you know, I, I, I love how you guys had mentioned just not too long ago about, you know, we fundamentally believe that, you know, you can no longer take 100 percent of, of someone's life, you know, economically. Mm-hmm. Um, when how much can they take? Well. How much can someone take before it becomes wrong? Because right now I Any feel amount. like that the federal government takes 40 percent. Yeah. Of my economic well-being. Yeah, that's well, still slavery. It's it just well. a different form. It's slavery light. Exactly. Exactly. It is It is slavery. And when are people going to wake up? You know, I live here in Kansas, you know, which is a follow-the-rule state. Mm-hmm. You know, how dare you talk against, you know, the the institution that is the, the state constitution and the, the U.S. constitution. And, you know, all, I'm just like, dude, do you people not listen to yourselves when you talk to other people? Right. And how we should act and treat other people. If they don't believe in what you believe, you honestly think that government should be the right answer. It's exactly what everything you don't believe in. The people that believe that you don't believe in. That's the same way they're acting. Yeah, you know, I got to say, I appreciate you guys and your optimism here, and I tend to be optimistic in the long view, and I do understand that, you know, renaissances can happen, and ideas in the world can shift in a uh, very quick fashion. Look, for instance, at what happened with COVID. We saw a tremendous shift in the wrong direction yeah. uh, with the yeah. COVID thing, and we're only three years outside of that at this, or, you know, outside, three years since the beginning quote unquote of that situation 
And boy, that seemed like a huge setback. I mean, we are seeing, you know, some revelations coming out, some truths coming out. Pfizer has been exposed by Project Veritas and so on and so forth. But for the most part, people still believe what they're told by the government. They still will do exactly what they're told. And it is frustrating because we are surrounded uh, by people like that, which is why this whole migration is so important. If we're going to spark the things that we're talking about happening, like you guys are saying that we're, you feel like we're on the, the people of the world are on this precipice. It's mm-hmm. going to take a spark. Something's got to yeah. set that off. And I think that having the having a place on the planet that can actually show that freedom actually works is what a lot of people are going to need. They're yeah. not going to buy the ideas. They're not. Go- it's That's too right. scary. It's yeah. too scary. Freedom's right. too well, scary. And, and this is why I'm. Uh, I I think that it's amazing that we we're at where we're at with the, the our first story about the Democratic Party pulling out of their uh, uh, first primaries mm-hmm. because they're going to leave a power vacuum. And I believe that power vacuum is going to get filled by the Libertarian Party. So mm. this state will be dominated by the Libertarian Party and the Republican Party. So it's going to go back and forth between minarchism and anarchism for pretty much everything. And if you want to get anything passed, it's got to be a freeing bill or it's mm-hmm. just not going to get out of committee. So when they well, see that being done is when I think people are really going to go, hey, maybe this can work. Go ahead. Well, and that's why I think it's so important, you know, and this is where words matter, is where you talk about things like the non-aggression principle. Yes. You know, people, you know, people sit there and talk about it and they think that, that libertarians, you know, when I tell people I'm a libertarian, they, they, they think I'm nuts. They think I'm some kind of, of, of long-haired, long-beard, living-off-the-land anarchist. I'm just like, You've well— You've been demonized. Uh, I'm like, yeah, okay, but no, that's not, that's not the case. You know, the the whole thing is I believe in something, and that something is the non-aggression principle. So and what I is the non-aggression principle every, for our listeners that are just tuning in for the first time tonight? What is it? Well, I explain it. This is how I explain it, is that decisions I make on some kind of action that I'm going to do, whether it be economically or anything, I have to decide, is that treading on somebody else? Am I causing someone else harm either economically or uh, get or on their rights as a free person so i gotta ask what are you doing in kansas i mean if you're a you sound like a pretty principled liberty guy and you sound like you're frustrated by being surrounded by people that just do not understand you why are you still there (laughs) wolverines man wolverines a reference so your sports to, team? You know, it all a, starts in the middle. It all starts in the middle. That's I'm in Kansas because that's this is where my family is. Family. I'm slowly okay. I'm slowly turning them, but you know, I just I love Kansas. I can't I I I'm I want to start something here as well. I don't mm. think that it needs to be in one place. I love what's happening with the Free State Project, but at the same time, this is my home. And so, so I is, is there anything here. that would persuade you to leave your home? I mean, is there any sort of change that could happen uh, outside of Kansas, whether it be in New Hampshire or somewhere else, that would make you say, all right, well, it's been nice, but I'm leaving now? No, no. Okay. And the reason being is because and, and the reason being is because of the the agrarian nature that is Kansas. I feel I feel secure. There's food security here. There's. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot here. Well, I mean, if, that's, that's if agrarian food security is what you're looking for, I mean, there's there's some great things going on in Texas. 
I mean, it is more conservative than it is libertarian, but there is a lot of libertarianism that is uh, growing in that state now. That's right. And I do have friends that have moved to Texas. That would be a real possibility if I could get my family to go along with it because I'm not leaving them behind. Yeah, I hear you. Well, good luck. Thank you for the call tonight. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. Uh, You know, it's... Uh, by the way, there's a lot of people that are into local uh, farming and things like that up here. In fact, I believe New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine are the top three states. I don't know in which order. It, I think it changes, but they are some of the top, if not top three states for what they call locavore, which is people that are purchasing and, and growing and buying and interested in products, uh, plants, and cows and things like that that are yeah, new hampshire are is just shock full of farmers it's farmers, farmers markets everywhere 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 yeah. do we have two more things we on do the list? we do uh and just to bang them out real quick uh restore civil liberties and this is free the rage julian against, assange this is the rage against war list yeah. here restore civil liberties and free julian assange those are two great ones um and, you know, one of the reasons why maybe going down to Washington, D.C. isn't as scary for our previous caller as moving to New Hampshire, as far as the feds, is because at some level we all know that another protest in Washington, D.C. isn't going to change Washington, D.C. No, that's true. All of these proposals are great, but Ron Paul isn't a, isn't a representative anymore, well, and there's not anyone that's even close. And it's more than that. It's more than trying to change Washington, D.C. Number one, it's showing ourselves that there are this many people that really do care about this, that have the right ideas, connecting with each other so that even if we're not local, we're connected in this way, across state lines, across party lines. But the reality is, if you want to be effective, you've got to have a concentration. Uh, And if you can see the value in that, then you need to check out the Free State Project if you're a like-minded, liberty-oriented person. If you're a conservative, get on down to Florida or Texas. And if you're a liberal, get on out to California or the West Coast. We'll see you tomorrow. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 15th through the 18th for the 7th Annual Fork Fest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out in 2022. For 2023, we're going back to where it all started, the weekend before ForkFest. ForkFest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 15th through the 18th. You can find out more at the unofficial website, ForkFest.Party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there June 15th through the 18th. ForkFest.Party.